The Robert Scott Bell Show podcast is brought to you by Trinity School of Natural Health and Nutritional Frontiers. Learn more at trinityschool.org and nutritionalfrontiers.com. All right, it's time to head into the weekend with style here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Why style? Well, what else would you call it when Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joins us? It ups our game. It ups our style. We're just way cooler. And so we got that coming up in hour two. Um, look, the vulnerability uh, that we have here in the United States is we have a people dependent upon not nutrition for their survival, but drugs. I got to talk about that today. Also, lawsuits challenging the, the well, various vaccine injury compensation programs. Uh, let's see. Moment. Oh, we have another moment of duh. Could that be two in a row? <gasps> Woo, that's that sounds like fun. Question of the day on nerve pain. Gosh, darn. That's a, that's a tough one. But we're going to try and do it. The homeopathic hit of the day toadstool yeah i heard that i said that you heard that what does that mean you'll have to check it out at robertscabell.com what what is alexander hamilton's craziest plan we'll ask michael bolden about that and a whole lot more y'all join us at robertscabell.com slash listen for the chat room or various places and let us know where you're listening tuning in from and uh, please share the show as we get this healing party started right about now the robert scott bell Bell show Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Lighten up, it's Friday. It's It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. We are on now for the next couple of hours and then some. Uh, appreciate y'all considering uh, uh, being here, and I'd appreciate even more if you shared the show because you you know about us, but not a lot of others do. Still, even the best kept secret in health talk media. And we got Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center scheduled to join us in the second hour, as he does when we're on live every couple of weeks and he's not having an anniversary with his honey. Uh, so that'll be fun. We've got the, uh, uh, what was the wildest, craziest plans that Alexander Hamilton had back in the day, little history lesson, love going through the history with Michael Bolden. Now, the first thing is we get domestic here in terms of us where this, uh, the show originates in the concern I've had for many years is that people this is a controversial thing, even the Pledge of Allegiance, right? This idea, if you say the Pledge of Allegiance, but the reality is even if you think you pledge allegiance to the United States or whatever it is you, you think you're pledging allegiance to, the reality is the majority of Americans, even to this day, still pledge allegiance to Big Pharma and the United States of drug America. And if you think I'm exaggerating, how many people are on medicines in America compared, I'm talking about pharmaceutical medicines, prescription, not even over the counter. We can add that into the mix if you want. The, any other country, we dwarf every other country per capita use of pharmaceutical drugs for which we have, you have, I have no deficiency, none whatsoever. 
these synthetic toxic comp- compounds um, monopolized into creation uh, by a lot of uh, well, decades, if not centuries or more. Uh, promotion of an artificial reality that is a reliance on synth- synthesizing substances, yes, from creation, because you can take oil from the ground through the use of organic chemistry and convert it into all kinds of things. And that was certainly happening in the late 19th and early 20th century, big time and accelerated. It's still going on to this day. They thought, man, we can abandon herbs. We can we can abandon homeopathy and naturopathy and chiropractic and all these vitalistic views of the body, vital force. And we can just simply replace all of those natural substances with drugs that suppress symptoms that we don't like pain, for instance fever you come up with a synthetic compound that that you can then patent and sell in a monopoly and you can make a hell of a lot of money and the people are going to go oh thank you i feel so much better in the meantime you created a, a, a new cottage industry of creating and managing chronic debilitating degenerative inflammatory diseases throughout the lifespan and then in the 20th century, the accelerated uh, view that we could only live and survive childhood if we have injections called vaccines. Another lie that many of us in America bought into. I was raised at a time uh, from the early, well, late 60s, mid, late 60s to the early 70s. There were very few vaccines, uh, even through much of the 80s. And then the acceleration happened after uh, Reagan signed the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program into law. Was that 86? And then, of course, it really didn't kick into gear till 88. Then the 90s, you saw an explosion of liability-free products from Big Pharma. And the idea was to uh, elicit what became known as the holy grail of junk immunology, the antibody. Now, antibodies are not junk. They, they exist and they can help. But to think that that was the only way that you could prevent so-called disease or infection is absurd. It's infantile. It's immature. It lacks critical thinking. And yet PhDs and MDs across the world in the allopathic world have decried the only way we can protect the public, the people from anything and everything is to inject them with vaccines that used to be antigens eliciting antibodies. But even that didn't work so well on its own because it bypasses how you normally encounter things in the environment. Even children that go through that oral phase where everything goes in their mouth, that's part of the learning process of the immune system through the mucosa, through the saliva, the normal way to get the environmental exposure and information tracking by your own immune cells, which by and large is the microbiome more than anything, the bacteria within your mouth, throat, esophagus, stomach even to some degree, but more or less further along in the intestinal tract. That's why they swallowed everything. And yet they say, no, we don't need that. We can just inject you and you'll be all good. We'll save everybody. Nonsense, dangerous nonsense. And finally, doctors and scientists are, are picking up on, you know, the clues that were laid down by the creator to say, you know, the natural world has all the solutions you need to prevent disease. And it includes exposing yourself to the environment, the biome that exists around us and within us and not suppressing it by destroying it or bypassing it. Through injection. Remember, the antigens even injected were not enough. That's why they added adjuvants. Adjuvants. So the idea that the mere exposure would be enough, especially via injection, obviously didn't work because they're like testing titers and going, these antibodies are 
They're not working. It's not enough. We're not even, we're not even listening to them. So let's throw in some uh, aluminum or squalene, MF-59, or a number of different things that would aggravate the immune system to respond in a way that they could measure it. And then they'd say, you're immune, despite the fact that evidence of immunity is not having or not having an antibody. It's so much more complicated than that and also simple. So the artificial reality that exists within modern medicine, big pharma, is, I would have to say, a, a, a godless worldview. It doesn't take into consideration the natural world as it's created and, and how it's designed to support life, not destroy it. Like the arrogant. Yeah, I, I would I want to cuss right now, but we got kids in the audience and I know they can handle it. And mom and dad, you can handle it. But still, you guys can decide what you what you want to hear in your own in your own house with uh, the Robert Scott Bell show on or in the car, wherever you're listening. So the first article, you know, I'm kind of hinting around it to get there. It's from Axios today. Headline reads, I've never seen anything like this. High demand fuels drug shortages. Now, the irony here, of course, is, yes, there's a great danger in people who are dependent upon drugs to lose access to those drugs. I don't dispute that. But there's also a potential great benefit. If you realize you can't access the drugs you think you need or you have been programmed into believing you need or your body has become dependent upon and you suddenly realize you can't get them. What is your thought? What is the thought process that goes through? I mean, it may be a, a number of ways that you might respond. You might, you know, say, call for help. 911, help get me the drugs some way, somehow. But what if they're not coming? What if they can't make enough in China to import them to America to get them into your veins or into your mouth or whatever it is you're doing? Could another thought be, hmm, I wonder if there are alternatives to those drugs. Now, you might think in terms of managing your symptoms at first, but I might, uh, you might, might leap to the next phase of, I wonder if these substances in the natural world, herbs and, and homeopathy and other energetic type interfaces in terms of natural medicine, technological leaps that may be honoring healing that, that pre-existed recorded history, in fact, light and sound type uh, medicinal interfaces, vibrational medicine, that you might begin to say, I wonder if any of those things could actually correct the reason why I needed the drug in the first place that may have likely been caused by the initial injections you got from the doctors when you were born, especially if you were born in a hospital, whether it be hepatitis B shots with, with, with aluminum and, of course, the fluoride water that they want to put in there to guarantee the uptake of all these heavy metals and the degradation that occurs, the manifestation of symptoms that occurs, and, and the management of those symptoms with toxic poisons. Yeah, I can drug you back to health, buddy. I can poison you back to health. Is that not an absurdity? I've never seen anything like this. High demand fuels drug shortages. So here's the risk. The risk is many people lose their lives, their physical lives, because they can't access the drugs that are keeping them alive, managing their various symptoms. But here's the other thing, the positive. And we have to recognize this in terms of what we've been through with COVID. Massive shift in awareness and consciousness about drugs, about doctors, about government, about media. All of these things brought to light, not because we were given airy, fairy, lovey-dovey messages from our overlords, 
but because they tried to shove down your throat or into your arm things that were deadly and were obviously killing you or your loved ones or your family, etc. Which, if it didn't kill you, perhaps it has woken you up and now you're part of this growing family that is invested in healing in a, in a more natural way. Here, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, for instance. How many of you have met, if you've been with me for a long time, people that you have never met before or would never have met before had it not been for the various COVID layers of COVID disaster? And so that has woken a whole lot of people up to now look at not just the COVID injections, but all vaccines prior. It takes what it takes, doesn't it? And so the drug shortages may, in fact, result in healthier Americans for those that are willing to look outside the drug box. And I'll give you an example. In communist Cuba that happened some years ago. Every year the rainy season hits and they've got leptospirosis explosions. Look it up. You can read about it. In the, in the warm tropical environs there and the rainy season, a lot of these diseases manifested. Now, they have been investing in vaccinations for years through, you know, even when they were connected to the Soviet Union, you know, the communist beachhead for them. And they had access to some degree with money flowing to get these vaccines. And then the money dried up and they were SOL. They couldn't get the vaccines. And so guess what? They found at for fractions of a penny on the dollar, if you want to call it that, or the ruble or whatever the Cuban currency is, they found that they could use the nozodes for leptospirosis, homeopathic preparations from the disease processes of those suffering. And lo and behold, it worked. Fewer people than ever suffered from leptospirosis. Fewer people that had it died from it. And not only one year, but two years on and more. And these have been published in peer-reviewed scientific journals, if that matters to you. And so the economic downturn or the inability to afford afford modern medicine, like when I went to West Africa in the 90s and met with the doctors there in Ghana and then Nigeria and told them to throw out the medicine of the white man, we're killing you, we're killing all of us, and go back into the bush and save the medicine of your ancestors. It wasn't a racial thing. I mean, I was joking about white, black or whatever, but it was about the advancements in Western science, which are legitimate in terms of warfare type medicine. I've talked about it. Allopathic medicine. You get shot on the battlefield. Who do you want to put you back together? A homeopath with no skill in, or knowledge of, of surgical procedures to save your life or an allopath who's trained in surgery, remove the bullet, patch you up, stop the bleeding, which they can do even with silver nitrate, but also there are homeopathic benefits and other things that you can do in conjunction with it. But let's put that aside for a moment. So you lose access to the modern medicine that you've become accustomed to that is managing your disease that it created to begin with. And now you can't get it. What do you do? Do you choose to live or do you choose to beg for scraps of drugs in some communist single payer system? Because, you know, that'll be that'll be the message. We all oh, you Americans in your capitalistic system, you care not for your people and they're dying. They're bankrupt. They can't afford it. But those who go back to growing their own food and growing their own medicine and learning about the things we talk about here, like the homeopathic hits of the day, you have all the remedies you need. You can make them for pennies on the dollar. And you have a different world coming to you, not because it's being given to you, but because you're going out to take it. 
And that's, well, that's not a Gordon Gecko thing. Greed is good kind of thing. This is about the self-preservation, the ability to care for yourself. And in that way, care for others in your own local environment, your community, because you have an investment in that community and they have an investment in you if you do something that contributes to the benefit and health of those around you. Doesn't seem so complicated as we're dealing with globalist interventions around the world, corrupting people who would normally find a way to get along with one another, even if there's a history of animosity, because it's in their best interest to do so. Instead, globalists want to shake the black and the red ants and cause them to go in, 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 in just seething hatred and rage and continue on this disappointing plight of humanity that seems never to break the cycle of hatred and rage and anger and warfare. Instead, what if they threw a war and no one showed up? But we've got the continuity of the young people just sheathing in anger against Israel or, you know, those are against Hamas, whatever it is. And you could find plenty of legitimate examples to say, well, that was wrong. That was bad. That was wrong. At any point in time, you're going to find some guilty parties or people. But do you ramp it up and wage war? Well, again, of defense if you will, the just war doctrine of Christianity. I brought that up before as well. It's like what Ron Paul talked about. Or do you go and go, I'm going to, I'm going to kill them all and let God sort them out. And, and, you know, this is the concept that I've tried to bring out over the years in terms of biological and physiological and immunological realities. If you are to say germs are the cause of disease, then it would be well within your thought form to be on an antibiotic an antifungal, an antiviral, whatever drugs you want to kill all the things that would kill you if you if you just let them live. Now the question is, what causes something in you that is life sustaining in your microbiome that helps to produce neurotransmitters, endocrine compounds to support immunity, to support a, a digestive process, to support elimination processes? What would instigate those microbes that are life sustaining? You understand? They, they keep you alive. What would instigate them to suddenly become something that is trying to kill you or an interpretation that they're trying to kill you? It's the alteration of the terrain. It's the destruction of the balance of the microbiome and, the, and its biodiversity. You artificially alter that terrain and something takes advantage of that new terrain. The bacteria that were doing all the good stuff for you suddenly express new DNA to survive their new hostile environment. And we call that an infection. And then we give a toxic poison to kill it. Instead of utilizing homeopathic remedies, I've talked about some of them for infection or bioactive silver hydrosol to neutralize those that are out of balance that have become quote unquote terrorists. They've been bred into it and then neutralize that, that threat, but then restore integrity to the entire terrain so that you no longer have these hostiles jumping up and going, I'm going to kill you. I know the analogy is probably escaping many people that are just into seething hatred, rage, and don't follow uh, this peaceful concept of biodiversity. This is not, uh, let's say, imp imposed upon us from above, but it is a natural order of the universe from within. And we as humans fall prey to deception, propaganda, emotions when we are lost in terms of our mission purpose and our connection to the divine we have no real acknowledgement of the divinity of all living beings on the same planet that we exist on right now whether you believe it's flat or circumference it has a circumference of some kind because it's it's not flat or whether it's a donut <laughs> i don't care 
Do we have the capacity to come back to our spiritual senses, grounding in that reality? Now, this doesn't mean naively you walk down a dark alley at night with that's known for criminals and drug use and you go, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just all spiritual about it. That's just stupid, you know, unless you, you perceive you've been guided by God to get in there and do something. All right. That's always an opportunity, an option, an option. But just in general, the idea that we can, it's kind of like the new agey, airy, fairy, 60s hippies movement was, was rooted in naivete and also to some degree by CIA playing some things that were going on at that time as well. So there's all, we're always subject to manipulation. Like I bring up this movie all over the time, the devil's advocate with Keanu Reeves and uh, Al Pacino and, you know, Al Pacino's the devil that's working through the, the law, the legal system. And they're all lawyers and everything. And at the end, Keanu appears to re his, his character wins against the devil. And then the next scene, the devil comes in and appeals to his vanity. You know, vanity always gets him in the end. We're always subject to falling, you know, falling down from our higher ideals. If we even have them, I hope you do here. I think you do here because you're here, but how do we withstand that failure? If you want to call it that temporary, albeit, but falling down like that, how do we get back up and get back on the path? You know, I'm talking about something that goes beyond anger and hatred and rage and, and warfare, not naively. But that is, to me, the connection with divine spirit and how you practice that is how you practice it. I've got my way. And you're, I'm happy to share it whenever you have questions about it, but I'm not here to convert you to another way of thinking or being unless you feel like, hey, the way it's work, it's not working for me now. Maybe there's something else I can do or I can do better within whatever belief system I have. But if you are of the belief system that you have to kill in order to survive. Man, that to me is low on the survival scale. And then you're probably concerned because you don't have enough drugs to keep you going. I guess that's all I'm saying here as I open up my Friday show. This was not the lighthearted open I intended. <laughs> I don't know what I intended, but Super Don escaped for five minutes and came back. He's like, what is he doing? What is he saying? We're supposed to have a lighthearted <clears throat> weekend. Kind of sounds like dogs and cats living together. Yeah. I dead rising so. from the grave. Right. You know. Yeah. I, I, we just ha should have Ozempic raining from the sky. So nobody <laughs> is ever without it. Um, anyway, yeah. I, I'll pause there. I don't know if you've been paying attention to anything I said. If it made any sense, type in the chat room. You're off your rocker, Robert. Or, dude, that's pretty interesting. I'll consider that more and ask me some questions. And we'll go, go further. There you yeah. go. Just yeah, trying you to. You know, in the, right. in the article, they talk about the different drugs that they're referring to. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're looking at drug shortages uh, with ADHD drugs, mm -hmm. um, like Adderall. Yeah, for which no child has a deficiency. We've got amo amoxicillin. You know, that, 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 that kind of that kind of surprised me because I remember amoxicillin when I was a kid. Antibiotic. That was the pink liquid stuff that they gave you that tasted like. I don't. Right. Even, I can't remember what it tasted like, but it was. It was. I, I mean, I liked it. Yeah. yeah, like bubble gum, right? You know, it's like the broad spectrum antibiotic that they give to kids. Apparently, there's a shortage of that, right? And then they bring, then they bring up Ozempic, which, of course, you know, we've been covering that. Uh, yeah. And you've got this tug of war going on between the people with diabetes, which yep. is what it was intended for, right? And then the uh, the people that are quote obese, which like obesity. Like, are there obese? Yes, there's obese. Of course, it is. Mm -hmm. Is it a problem? Yes. Especially here in America. We got more food than we ever could eat. Well, quality and the quality wise. of food, yeah, yeah is quality what sucks. Quality of food is horrible, and that brings rise to what we call obesity. But, 
But here's the thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, in my opinion, based on what I saw over time, yeah. it was like the, the they, they lowered the bar and lowered the bar about mm-hmm. what who was obese, right? Yeah. So it became like literally everybody who was like a few pounds overweight was considered obese. Yeah. So now anybody who wants to go in now and say, I would like Ozempic, please, they yeah. qualify because technically they're obese. Yeah. Right. And I'm a so pound over where I want to be. Give me some. And that. Novo Nordis can't keep up. I think I mentioned once before mm-hmm. that, you know, Novo, you know, we, we talk about Merck and Pfizer, mm-hmm. you know, Pfizer, especially like over the pandemic. Novo Nordisk is the new Pfizer. Yeah. Because they are making, they're based in Denmark. And the company, Novo Nordisk, has a higher GDP than Denmark does. I, I mean, they, they make more money than Denmark. Pretty impressive, huh? Yeah. I guess it's good if you have no soul. <laughs> yeah. If you don't care about genuinely the good they're health. Doing good. They're doing good. They're doing well. They're doing fine. My, my uh, mom just chimed in on the chat room at robertscabell.com, which apparently it's working today. That's great. She says, lighten up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the weekend. I'm trying, but right. dude, so many serious messages that need to be communicated. And, and I feel impassioned to communicate them from time to time. And I hope you, hope you bear with me. Give me some leeway here. Um, there's another article here related to uh, the vaccine injury compensation program. And this one's, I think under the prep act, um, this was Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, CICP. Do you remember the way they said the Soviet Union was also CCCP? Yes. I mean, it, I, I find no uh, coincidence in here in terms of how this sounds, but it, it you know, communal, communalizes it, these shots. It says, you know what, we, we, we can't cover you individually. Let's just do it in a collective way and then never pay out. Good luck trying to get it. But in a complaint filed in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana last month, attorneys for a group of plaintiffs alleging that they have been seriously injured after they did the right thing and received a COVID-19 vaccine wrote that the CICP is the epitome of a kangaroo court or a star chamber. Proceeding that ignores recognized standards of law and justice is grossly unfair and comes to a predetermined conclusion. Well, what did you think was going to happen when the government absolved the makers of these dangerous injections of all liability should they injure or kill? It was designed to do exactly what it's doing. Minimize any liability or eliminate it altogether by putting a kangaroo court together to maybe throw a few pennies or shekels here and there to the people who are injured, but not much. The CICP. Mm -hmm. That is like the special one they came up with for the COVID vaccines, right? Correct. That yeah, correct. so it's basically the kind of the same thing as the uh, NVICP, right? Yeah. yeah. So my my um, my my thought on this is that uh, had these people who I'm guessing probably don't listen to the Robert Scott Bell show, probably not. probably um, don't uh, follow Dell Big Tree, right, uh, or Andrew Wakefield. Uh, had these people looked it looked beyond uh, what it is that they were being told and had seen what had been going on for a gazillion years now with the, the NVICP, right? Yeah. Uh, they might have known uh, that maybe something wasn't going to be right <laughs> here because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming they patterned it the same way. Yeah. The CICP, right? It was just a different, like a, like a branch. Different yeah, branch, exactly. but probably well, basically said, Hey, this, this program's working so well, let's duplicate it. So these drug companies never have to uh, pay for anything. And you know, the government occasionally throw things out. But again, for the most part, even if you're compensated, it never, 
never makes you whole again, especially when your loved ones uh, are severely injured or die after getting these injections. Uh, I guess, you know, the question is, do we really need more legislation to save us from ourselves? Uh, you know, this can the libertarian kind of answer or view is like, just don't take the thing, except that they made it untenable, as you, you, you know, as we pointed out, and, and we're not the only ones in that regard. Uh, Dr. Bertar, when he was here, was talking about that as well. The choice that you think you have is the choice to get shot or lose your job. You know, get shot or don't travel, get shot or your kids don't get to play in sports or be in school. All of those things were via fundamental violations of choice, true choice or informed consent, which means even if you refuse to get the injection, there are no consequences other than, you know, you're taking a risk, according to them, that you might get sick and die. But mm. they they collectivized it by saying the very fact that you don't get the shot means you're uh, you know, a rabid dog that needs to be put down. You know, this is where, you know, the United States of drug America, as I say, people pledge allegiance to big pharma in the United States of drug America. And that's where we are after many decades, we're still seeing the authoritarians in medicine dominating the consciousness of most of the people of the West. And our, is our solution is like, well, we, we will, uh, we'll, we'll break free of this compensation program or, how about the people going, I'm no longer participating in any of this at all. And inevitably downsizing government comes when the people just refuse to cooperate. And we'll talk certainly more about nullification uh, on an individual basis, much less state level interpos interposition. Is that was that interposition interposition? Anyway, we'll get into that with Michael Bolden next hour, 10th amendment center. Looking forward to that. By the way, Aaron Siri is the one that's representing these plaintiffs. Yeah, on this, you, on this lawsuit. Did I send you that picture of me and Aaron Siri? That was a good one. Yes, you did. We hope to get him on the show as well. Uh, I realize that there are many, uh, many vectors of attack, so to speak, to push back on this stuff. And it's serious. I don't, I don't diminish anybody in the way they're doing or going about it. I might say there might be a more efficient way this way or that way, but I acknowledge everybody's got their mission and passion and bliss to follow. And so it's not for me to judge you unless you're asking questions about, hey, do you, what do you think? And then I'll go, oh, I'll tell you what I think. But it's not to denigrate, you know, anybody's belief or activities unless uh, they're harming others in the process. Or, you know, if they're really sincere and wanting to accomplish something, I think, man, you're spinning your wheels here. And you can do that. And maybe you'll learn from it. But at what cost? At what cost? And but that's the cost of COVID, right? The cost of waking up a lot of the population was this devastation we went through, loss of freedom and a lot of other things. But we could have never achieved the awakening or consciousness shift on vaccines without this. We were the vast majority. No, the minor minority. The people who questioned one or all vaccines. Now we are not alone at all. No, so we're not. What and is this quote in, you're dropping in? In fact, uh, if you look in the article, uh, one of the reasons, because, you know, what the, basically what's happening is Aaron Siri is making the argument that, uh, you know, these people's cases, you know, when they submit their information to the CICP, you know, it ends up in some, you know, uh, dusty box somewhere on a shelf mm -hmm. in the back room of the building, you know, yeah. or accidentally, you know, spilled coffee on it or something or like that. And and so they get lost in what they're saying is like this, this, this purgatory of, of, of claims, right, mm -hmm. in the CICP. And yeah. they acknowledge in the article here, and one of, I guess one of the, um, the, the attorneys that they quote in there is talking about how it's a significant concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 
the lack of compensation mm-hmm. will fuel anti-vaccination efforts. Uh-huh. Right? Interesting. That's Noting that she said that, that she believes there may be similar legal challenges in the CICP's constitutionality to follow suit, which mm-hmm. is true. And this, yeah, look, this is this is a good thing. This is a great story. It's another, uh, you know, uh, thing that we can kind of go, hey, cool, you know, mm-hmm. making progress. Yeah. Uh, a hard way, of course. It is, however, uh, more confirmation of our our accuracy and our predictions mm-hmm. when all of this crap started three years ago. Yeah. Because if you remember, what did we say? You know, we couldn't believe what was going on. We're just like, holy crap, what's happening here? This doesn't make any sense. It's a violation of the First Amendment. You know, you can't do this. You can't force people mandates. This is unconstitutional. And, you know, it was obvious, I think, to to everybody that was watching this, that this wasn't going to stand up in court. But they did it anyway Mm -hmm. because they knew time was on their side, right? Yeah. They knew they were going to get away with it. They knew that, oh, man, and they admitted more than once. We, we saw, you know, uh, more than one politician uh, say, well, in fact, I think even Biden was one of them, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. You know, it was like, well, you know, this may not be constitutional, but yeah. <laughs> we'll do it until the court slaps us we'll down. We'll do it. And so now yeah. we're seeing, you know, thank goodness the courts are now going, OK, yeah, that's unconstitutional. So it doesn't save us from what it is that happened, obviously. Mm-hmm. But maybe it'll be something that will help us in the future. Right. Because now there's precedent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating to see, but it's also it's also good to see. And I think another thing that they're probably worried about is is if they really open the floodgates on these people getting compensated, mm-hmm. uh, then in a way they're kind of admitting that the vaccines Well, of course. Have have risks, right? Yeah. Which they don't want to admit. They don't want to admit, even though it's patently obvious. And you know, with one trillion dollar uh, uh what we interest payments a year now. Where are they going to get that? Oh, money? I know, right? Right, demise further, and so we're we're back to the you you know you Republicans are cold and heartless because you want to cut programs. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be hungry and homeless yeah. if you don't do it inevitably yeah. unless you plan accordingly. And this is what Ron Paul was saying. Exactly. Right? This goes yes. back to to you know the debates when he had all these ideas. We're going to abolish this and abolish this. We're mm-hmm. going to cut this and we're going to reduce this. And everybody's going, oh, you can't take that stuff away from us. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, look, the math is the math. And eventually, you know, numbers don't numbers yeah. don't lie. And you can cook yeah. the books and cook the books and kick the can down the road, which which we've done in this country mm-hmm. for decades now. Yeah. You know, and eventually, you know, the that that you got to got to pay the piper. Yeah. You know. Uh, and that that I still don't I just still don't understand how how we've managed to to make it this far really and and how we can operate it with a budget that we've got or a lack of mm-hmm. and a debt that we have in this country anybody else if you put this into like a real life scenario and you uh, you know you owed like that much and your interest was that much and you were that much in debt and all that kind of stuff like that you'd be bankrupt and living on the street. You know, I mean, that the, uh, in, in real life, somehow mm-hmm. this country manages to operate in this upside down budget mm-hmm. where, where, where we really don't have any money. We got fake money. Right. You know, and we're paying our bills and we're robbing Peter to pay Paul and all this stuff like that. And somehow, I mean, thank goodness. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like living in a country that we living in Venezuela? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and we may learn what that's like soon if we. If we oh, this, man. This Nobody wants that. Nobody I don't think so, but, but then 
how few of the so-called electorate in America recognize that if they continue to vote for the same thing and expect a different result, that's the inevitable oh, result. And I think we, hopefully we'll get into this conversation next hour because I'm curious to, to sure. pick uh, uh, Michael Bolden's brain mm-hmm. about the current situation with the, the people that are running for president. Bolden's and I don't, I don't know if he watches, watched this last uh, debate. I don't know if mm-hmm. anybody did that's, that's listening right Not now. Many. Not many. I tried. I yeah. tried. I couldn't do it. Yeah. It was so annoying to listen to. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, it's just, I look at the people that are running. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm not impressed. Yeah. I'm not impressed. It's Well, what I am impressed with, just as a segue, is those of you who have been here for years and those of you coming on board recently that are taking a turn for the better, starting to take responsibility for your health, uh, doing the things that will support the recovery, eliminating the things you don't need in your body, bringing the things that you do need into the body. And those things are available at robertscabell.com. The banners are up there so you can get discounts for things like, you know, the, the energy bits as well. And I don't know why people call me while I'm on the air, but uh, the energy bits, right? The chlorella and spirulina, the freeze-dried stuff is amazing. You know, get 20% off or something really ridiculously good uh, with the RSB code. All of those things are there at robertscottbell.com. It looks like the website is working today. Uh, and Geach said he, he might have it completely migrated by today. Could it be possible? It's possible. Yeah. Anything is possible. Yeah. And, and by the way, talking about stuff that uh, the people can get and discounts mm-hmm. they can get, um, I'll be working this weekend on finding out what kind of Black Friday specials we've got coming up here because i think that's like the day after isn't that like the day after thanksgiving usually but there'll be cyber stuff and all of that so if you guys have been waiting around for those deals to get the things we love and utilize here there'll be some stuff coming uh and we'll get all of that together in one place so you can take advantage of that opportunity uh which you know it comes once in a while to take a you know deeper cut in that and help you help you get what you need to get well and stay well. Uh, Folium PX still out there. Of course, Bob Riorin doing great work, bringing the Folium products to our attention initially. And now to the benefit of everybody that's been trying it, it's been extraordinary. And uh, mom, you know, as I keep telling you at 89, going on 90 soon uh, next year early uh, is uh, doing so much better than she was prior to that. And that's the foliumpx.com. Use the code RSB10 to get 10% off when you go and get that. And, um, I saw pictures. My mom went to see a Cirque du Soleil show with her friend Sandra uh, just the other day. I think they're playing in Atlanta at one of those portable tents. Um, and I, I love that. You get to go out and do that and enjoy. And she'll be at the uh, Tia Severino's event on Saturday. It's tomorrow. The the Plandemic triple feature and the, the CHD bus is there and everything like that. So that's cool in terms of upcoming events. That's one uh, to take part in. There are a limited number of tickets available if you're in the Atlanta area and want to check that out. There are other upcoming events. This weekend, we were going to be in Dallas for the Great Exodus Conference, and they delayed that, so we're rescheduling that for the new year. Pay attention to the upcoming events tab if you don't mind, or uh, if you want to stay plugged in by email, I'd love for you to do that. Text my initials RSB to the number 66866. Text RSB to 66866 and you'll be prompted to enter your email address to be plugged in to the newsletter that Super Don sends out occasionally. You can follow us on social media as well. And um, Instagram is uh, Ask RSB. And so is Twitter X now is also Ask RSB. 
and then we're on uh, Facebook somehow, The RSB Show. So some of you are watching there and are commenting, and I appreciate that. Kim had said the, the plan uh, was that we pay for it all for them to hurt us. That, that's the thing that they, they deceive us to such a degree, Super Don, that we participate and fund our own enslavement and demise. Without even realizing that we're doing it. Oh, it's so, it's so, you know, the propaganda it's is so, so intertwined and, yeah. and just confusing and people just, you know, and I, listen, I, I, I'm, that's not like I'm Mr. Know-it-all and <laughs> the enlightened one. I mean, yeah. I am to maybe to some degree, but you know, uh, if you are participating in society at this mm-hmm. point, yeah, it's very difficult to completely remove yourself from the situation to the point that you are not funding any of this. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you go to the store and buy stuff? You know, do you, do you pay your parking ticket when you get one? You know, do you, do you, you know, pay your, I mean, is it pay your utility bills? I mean, it's, it's so, it's just, you can't get away from it really. Unless you, unless you live off the grid, mm-hmm. but who wants to do that? <laughs> some people do and, and take great solace, but others don't. And, you know, yeah. how do we maintain some level of a, what we've come to know as a civilized society that's not so very civil when we found out COVID happened and people started shunning you for not wanting to become pharmaceutical experiments. It's stunning how, how vulnerable we human beings are to propaganda, deception, emotional, uh, you know, triggers, if you will. And, and this is where I come back to the, the spiritual practices, whether you're in an organized religion or not, it's not for me to say, but just something that helps you, unplug at least temporarily and reconnect to the source of your very life. And and it's not an umbilical cord to government. That's the artifice or an umbilical cord to a drug or a vaccine. That's the artifice that we become accustomed to and believe is the only reality as well as the utilization of federal reserve notes and banking within a system that is set to enslave you. That does from day one moment, they number you like cattle as a baby. You never had a chance. And people are waking up to that reality more than ever before. And I've been at this for so long, and it still sometimes stuns me to see how many people are talking about things that you couldn't say anytime, anywhere. People think, you know, you've got two heads or worse. Uh, so things are shifting. I'm not going to say they're not. Oh, they're they definitely are. You're right. Yeah. You're right. People, more and more people. And, um, you know, ever since they started trying to crack down on misinformation, Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny to see how many people now uh, have uh, rebelled against that? Yeah. It's uh, it's great. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's pretty extraordinary. We do have yeah. a, a homeopathic hit of the day. We're going to do this hour before Michael Bolden joins us from the 10th Amendment Center. And I and I gave the the uh, the hint toadstool. I don't know if you did a picture for today's one. We'll find out shortly. Uh, but we also have a question of the day we want to get to. There's another article here. I, I really don't have time to go into it, I don't think. But uh, it, I think this one's out of Great Britain, England. We've got a lot of folks that listen on UK Health Radio. Uh, this is uh, the Telegraph. We were told the vaccine was safe, but what happened has been life-changing. This happened. Um, uh, Kate and her husband, uh, Jamie, was fine, healthy, fit, and then gets the jab, not long after has a brain bleed, a devastating, you know, clot. This is like, you hear this time and time again, and she's been lobbying the government in England, uh, doing whatever to make, raise awareness of this. And that 
people can't get compensated for the injury. They're not cared for. They're often shunned because they got injured. We've seen that before here in America as well. I think this would fall under the category of malinformation, right? Malinformation. Yeah. Right. It's true, but oh, it's doing damage. Doing you're making damage. people have that. You're making people think twice. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, it's people say I was just doing what the government was telling us. Well, that's where you made your first mistake. And, and this is not me piling on somebody who is injured devastatingly. So, but how long in history have you been reading about people warning you that if the government says to do it, you might want to do the opposite of what they're telling you. Uh, where, where is the suspicion? Where is the concern that the government might not be telling you the truth? Because in history, that's always been the case. Where Stop is being it? a conspiracy theorist. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's how they disputed or, or dismissed you. And you, because of social pressure, you wanted to fit in. You're like, oh, well, maybe I won't go down that road because, yeah, then my friends will shun me. Well, look what they did. If you didn't get shunned and you did what you were told, you might have been devastatingly ill or are ill. Or you might not even be here anymore. You've lost loved ones. We keep talking about, you know, yesterday with the father and daughter we had on. Mm -hmm. They trusted. They did it. Well, I mean, they trusted the hospitals like most of us did in doctors. And they went in. And the hospital protocol killed her. We talked about how much of this has to go on before we go enough, not participating. You, nothing you can say is going to bring me back into the fold. They still think as they scratch their heads and go, Oh, we don't know why people don't trust us. <laughs> really? You don't want to uh, know. I can't help but laugh when I see that. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Um, Moving hey, on. Can we do an MOD? Uh, sure. You ready for that? Yeah. So occasionally, and it, apparently two days in a row, this is exciting, Super Don. Yes. Uh, there are scientific studies that uh, identify things that are so obvious and right in our face, yet somebody paid for it, <laughs> that they can only be determined to be today's moment of duh. What are you people? On dope? <laughs> Amalgamated Association of Morons. Local 6 and 7 8. You're crazy! What is your major malfunction? Today's moment of job brought to you by Sitting is the New Smoking. <laughs> you know what? They found out that any activity, any, is better for your heart than sitting. Even sleeping is better for your heart. This is a study by the British Heart Foundation. Represents the first of its kind to examine the link between daily movement patterns and cardiovascular health. This represents the first findings to surface from the global perspective, physical activity, sitting and sleep. Wow. The first of its kind. Yeah. I, you know what? We should send that. I don't know. What do you send somebody to? uh, Would would the British Heart Foundation like, I don't know. You figured out that sitting on your ass all day is not good for your heart. Really? (laughs) Really? Really? How much money? uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to find out how much did it cost you to do this, this study Mm -hmm. um, to find out that doing something other than sit and do nothing Mm -hmm. is better for your heart. Yeah. That it's better for your heart to even, I guess what? Just move around. I just move a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The study now, now, discovered, did, I want to read this paragraph yes, real quick. That okay. The greatest benefits to heart health came from time spent in moderate to vigorous activity, followed by lighter activity, standing, <laughs> and then sleeping. 
Just oh. five minutes of higher intensity. So wait a minute. Are you telling me that, yeah. that that if you did uh, vigorous activity, that was mm-hmm. better than doing less than vigorous activity, which was better than doing minor activity, which is better mm-hmm. than doing just a tiny bit of activity. Mm-hmm. They figured that mm-hmm. out? Yeah, they figured that out. How, and, did they, and, how did they figure that out? Yeah. So even just like you said, going for a walk, like mom's doing every day. She When the weather's cooperating, 30 minutes a day is good. I like to see, see her dance they, again. But yeah. See, they, they stay here. Uh, simple modifications such as opting for a standing desk over mm-hmm. sitting. Hey, could look contribute. Hey. Are we doing that, Super Don? I'm doing that. We figured that out without them telling us. That's we, right. we didn't even have the scientific study to validate what we were doing, and yet That's we did right. it. I don't know how we, I have no idea how we figured you that rebel, out. But, you yeah. renegade you. Anyway, y'all move your Steve, see, here's, a, here's a good one here. Steve yeah. wants to know, if falling asleep while sitting in your chair, healthier, <laughs> uh, is, is that healthier than staying <laughs> awake while sitting in your chair? All right. He always asks the good question, Steve. We, That's we'll a good one. To, we'll That's need to. One. We'll need to invest in more studies. <laughs> so let's say who's got the bucks to invest in that. All right. That oh, was a fun moment. Of, uh, hope y'all take it and get out there and move your tushies. All right. We got question of the day. We got a homeopathic hit. What do you want to do first? I'm, I'm game either way. What's next on the list? I don't know. I, I write it down and I'm not sure of the order sometimes. What do you mean you don't know? But, uh, but you, quite, uh, let's see. So I think the next one. And we're back. What the heck happened there? Why the live stream shut down? I don't weird. know. That was weird. It's a weird glitch. So sorry about that, guys. I think uh, I think it'll pick back. Yeah, okay. I think we're back up on Restream now. Okay. Um, or not on Restream, on uh, Rumble. Okay. okay. So uh, let me get back to can't play video from storage. Please try again. Oh. Hmm. Let me try it again. All right. Let's see if it works. Okay. Sound means it's time for the question of the day. This is coming from Nicole. It's a tough one. My heart goes out to you, Nicole, because uh, my, you know, my wife has been dealing with neurological type pain for a long 12 years now. She says, I've been dealing with what I expect is nerve pain in my back for 14 years. It came on after a total hysterectomy done with a Da Vinci machine. Super Don, did you look up the Da Vinci machine? Because it's I like, did not look it up, but I can like do that real quick device here. to me. I mean, if you if you're going to use it, uh, get use it to, to remove your ovaries and uterus. I'm not liking the sound of that. She says I've tried acupuncture, PRP, massage, physical therapy, chiropractic, myofascial release, and many supplements. Nothing cuts the pain at all. You have any suggestions what I could try or what kind of doctor could help? Thank you, Nicole. All right. Well, I man, in all the years we've been dealing with this with my wife. Nothing really took out the pain, although it's not as severe as it once was, admittedly. Uh, but a lot of things improved a lot of other things. You know, that is the, you know, the, the classic homeopathic remedies for the nerve, the nerve pain, uh, which include hypericum perforatum and some others that we've hit on the homeopathics, uh, you know, the hit of the day. Uh, essential fats, CBD, sometimes THC combination with CBD, uh, various uh, anti-inflammatories. But if there's no evidence of inflammation anymore, then you've got nerve path injuries firing and doing something that could be situated within the brain. Now, my wife went to uh, Kenneth Oliver, DC. He's a chiropractic neurologist. We've had him on the show. A couple of times now. And I would say, by all means, reach out to him. Do you have, can we find his uh, his information again? Dr. Kenneth Oliver, and you go watch his interview on the show 
twice now at least. And we've seen tremendous improvement in a lot of neurological functions for my wife with his help. And he's got all of the knowledge of what we call an allopathic neurologist, but doesn't need the drugs and has utilized a lot of things to help a lot of people with nerve pathway issues. Uh, and he, he's, he also talked about there are other, uh, others around the country that have his knowledge that you might be able to tap into by reaching out to Dr. Dr. Oliver, Kenneth Oliver. And, uh, you know, Kratom, of course, we've talked about along with CBD, THC combinations has some uh, evidence to support much less clinical or observational to reduce the intensity of pain. But what all these things have done for my wife is reduce the anxiety that makes the pain worse. So in many ways, it's helped her. Now, it's a different kind of pain in terms of uh, where it's happening for her than you but the damage, the injury that that it disrupted the nerve pathways has obviously still not been addressed. And you've done a lot. And, uh, you know, there are people that sell in multi-level marketing these, these patches, like stem cell patches. For some people, they swear it works. And I would not deny them that reality. If it does, it does. It didn't work for my wife. So I, I would say uh, anything and everything, including the use of prayer to find it. Cardio Miracle. Use discount code RSB for 15% off. In terms of flooding the body with the pathways, you know, of, of, of healing, of oxygenation, of, of removing of toxins. That's a vascular issue. And Super Don is right to get the cardio miracle in you. If you haven't tried That's that. That's funny. You just, yeah. you were going by what popped up on the screen for you, but actually I just, uh, does it say the same thing now? Now it says Dr. Kenneth Oliver. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, saw cardio miracle pop. It up was, it was a glitch. Was a, only you, only you saw that. So anyway, a there's a glitch. There's yeah. Kenneth Oliver, the neuroclinic.org. The neuroclinic.org. Yeah. So reach out to Dr. Oliver's office and see if they've got some suggestions. If you're not near him, they'll have a suggestion of someone else trained that way. And again, it's a unique combination of all of the allopathic education and neurology, but a more vitalistic view, a non-drug view, chiropractic view. And Dr. Oliver has been sensational. He's helped a lot of people out. And that's the thing I would say. Uh, there may be a lot more. I don't know if hyperbaric oxygen has been helpful to you or if you've tried it even. Uh, as we always joke, we tried everything, but we haven't tried that. Pick that something out. And as long as there's life, there's possibility. And ask for guidance. Uh, these are not easy pathways out of the mess that you're in, much less what my wife has suffered. Uh, but we continue to try. And I gra I'm grateful that you reached out to ask the question. Uh, and if there's anything that you learn from this or try from this that helps, please share it here so we can share it with the rest of the world that doesn't know about it yet. So the, the Da Vinci yeah. uh, machine, it's a a robotic surgical system that, yeah. that apparently is supposed to be min minimally invasive and can do, I guess that type of surgery. I, you know, when you think of minimal invasiveness and it goes into your body and rips out your body parts, it's invasive in that way, but the yeah. difference is, is they don't have to like cut you wide open, you know, yeah. uh, and you don't have to recover from, you know, like a massive, uh, yeah. you know, uh, surgical, uh, it just incision, sounds like right? it'd be a roto rooter yeah. to pull out the uterus. And yeah. You think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, those things aren't the cause of your problem. Uh, if they become a problem, look elsewhere and, and hold on to your body parts. If you can, I know it's too late for some, but I will just say that if, if they targeted men for removing their testicles, men would go, <laughs> I think we're going to find another way here. Yeah, I, think, you know, I don't know about that. Yeah. Can I just write it on a piece of paper and put it in my pocket? Yes. Yeah. Homeopathic testicle. 
There you go. There you go, Super Don. You're on. All right, let's cram a homeopathic hit in here before we go to, to uh, Michael Bolden. What do you say? All right, Mr. Toadstool. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, the homeopathic hit of the day is Agaricus. Uh, and I want to shout out to Trinity School of Natural Health and Nutritional Frontiers for their support of this and so much more that we do. And yeah, you see the little cute mushroom there. Uh, looks like a little toadstool. And that is the image that uh, I think Super Don somehow came up with, uh, <laughs> with his magic. It's not my magic. But... Only remedy of the day. Yes. And agaricus is indeed a mushroom. So let's go full screen on that so I could see it better. And this is the thing we work on to give you a little bit of an insight. So you're not intimidated to eventually open a Materia Medica and go deeper or further. This agaricus is the remedy for nervous system irregularities and chillblains. Now, you've probably not heard of chillblains unless you read, you know, old ancient, uh, you know, English literature. They talk about this, but it's basically capillary bed injury. Think of uh, what happens when you get frostbitten, you know, uh, on your uh, extremities. And you'll see the capillary damage and venous damage that's resulting in the pooling of blood or, or swelling that occurs there. And this remedy, agaricus, is often indicated for these things, particularly effective in treating uh, those things, a lot of nervous system issues. Uh, of course, if you look at the, the, the mushroom itself when ingested, you can see all the things that manifest and understand why, as a homeopathic remedy, it could be helpful. Now, the origins of agaricus derive from the agaricus muscarius, or fly agaric mushroom, also some call it the toadstool. It's known for its distinctive red cap with white spots. And in homeopathy, it's used in a highly diluted form, so it's not toxic anymore and particularly affects the nervous system. Physical characteristics often, uh, as we mentioned, the chill blains that very few of us have ever heard of in that form or that word. It's kind of not used so much, but it's basically inflammation of small blood vessels in response to extreme cold, for instance, frostbite. Also accompanying nervous twitching. There are a lot of neurological indications for the use of agaricus, maybe even some pain. Consider it, you know, in a pain situation. Try the homeopathic remedy agaricus. When it comes to mental issues, individuals needing or indicating agaricus may exhibit symptoms of confusion, delirium, and even hallucinations. Makes sense because a lot of mushrooms can create those scenarios. So counter them, primary uses, once again. These are brief hits to give you a little bit of insight into where to start. Nervous system irregularities, effective for dealing with twitching, involuntary movements, and other nervous system irregularities, chillblains, and frostbite, used for discomfort associated with those and other cold-related circulatory issues. How about that, agaricus? Think about that as you open the Materia Medica and go deeper. Now, dosages and potencies Low potencies, uh, you know, 6X, 10X, 12X, 12C. We talk about self-help. You can repeatedly use it. Let your symptoms be your guide in terms of frequency. If you're dealing with mild issues, early stages of the chillblains, medium to higher potencies, more chronic nervous system irregularities or issues. And uh, if you would, consult a, a qualified homeopath if you need to go deeper than that. Complementary remedies, things that might cross over into the agaricus uh, symptom picture. Pulsatilla which can also be used in conjunction with agaricus for circulatory issues made worse by cold exposure. Oh, one we've done recently. I think this was our Halloween remedy, Tarantula Hispanica. And this is often used after agaricus if there's a continued restlessness and twitching. And then I add to this mix, one of my favorites, Cuprum Metallicum, copper in homeopathic form, 
because it is so helpful for circulatory issues, particularly of the legs and feet, the extremities, varicosities, et cetera. So consider that. And of course, as a homeopathic, agaricus is safe, but please avoid self-prescribing for severe chronic or severe conditions. H- consider help in those cases. And concluding, again, reiterating, this agaricus is a versatile remedy, particularly effective for nervous system irregularities and conditions related to cold exposure, such as, you know, kind of frostbite scenarios, chill brains, if you want to read it historically. Please stay tuned for the Robert Scott Bell Show, and we continue our enlightening dives into the world of homeopathy, these quick hits or homeopathic hits. This one's dedicated to everybody that's going to get cold in the winter and hopefully not get frostbite, not just the ladies out there like yesterday. Remember, this is for informational purposes only. It's not to replace a doctor should you choose one, but definitely find out how often they're going to the bathroom, having a bowel movement, because you don't want a doctor who's full of you-know-what, homeopath or otherwise. Again, thanks to Trinity. Thanks to Nutritional Frontiers. Thanks to all y'all for supporting this message of health, freedom, and healing, liberty, and being patient enough for me to get to the homeopathic hit. It's taken years to get here. I don't know why I was so stubborn, <laughs> but I was. Thank you, Oh, well. Yeah. Um, real quick we break for hour two and Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joins us. Uh, I think we had a nice comment among many. Um, Steve mentions the frequency of bioacoustics, you know, for anybody suffering from mysterious ailments, the bioacoustics that uh, we've, we've talked about it. We've interviewed about could be another way to break through the mystery there. So soundhealthoptions.com. Thank you, Steve, for that reminder as well. And with that, we're going to take a brief top of the hour break, a little late, but hey, better late than never because Michael Bolden's standing by to nullify everything. Not all the good stuff, just the bad stuff. That's just how awesome he is. Thanks for being here, guys, gals, everybody in between, whatever that means. The power to heal is yours. I just saw this thing on social media. Cash is freedom. A cashless society means zero cash. What does that mean, really? I've been bringing this up for years, too. I just sent that to Super Don. If you can find this thing, it says every penny you receive will be recorded. Every transaction will be tracked. Well, you won't receive a penny, not a physical one anymore. And I saw in the comments, this is on, uh, I think, a Facebook thread. Somebody says, please don't remind me. Planet Fitness has already put out a sign saying we are going cashless. Well, folks, I pay for my kickboxing gym membership with gold backs. No matter what happens to the Federal Reserve note dollar, people who are independent owners of their businesses will gladly accept something of value that contains gold within it or silver or other things. If you think you'll be able to spend cash and stay out of the central bank digital currency, uh, naive is an understatement. They're going to destroy the value, what's ever left of the Federal Reserve note dollar cash-wise, so that you can't spend it, even if they say, well, you can if you want, but what will you be able to purchase with something that has little value other than to wipe your bottom? Chiming in on that and a whole lot more is Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. God bless you, Michael, my brother. It's time for you. You're back, and I'm better for it. Nope, there's his back. <laughs> what's happening? I'm really happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm happy every time you're here, and I get so sad when you're not. Oh, well, what's cooking? Let's talk about the CBDC cashless society thing. That's kind of a big, yeah. 
Do you see any viability because you live in a big metro metropolitan area, not downtown LA anymore, but do you have any interactivity with small family businesses, independently owned businesses that you could go in and say, Hey, you know, I'd really like to pay and compensate you for your service or product. Uh, would you take something different than even federal reserve note dollars? Where I live, if I smoke, spoke Mandarin, maybe. Well, I don't know what to say then. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, and they're already getting the CBDC and the CBDC. I know that that meme or whatever that, uh, that, uh, that a lot of people like, oh, cash is our way to freedom or our way to protect ourselves against the CBDC. And I think people are getting kind of trapped in a uh, choice of bad A versus bad B, just because the CBDC is going to be worse than what we have today. And it's absolutely true. There's no doubt about it. They can track and trace and control what you want to do or what you can do based on, let's say, for example, your vaccination status. They could turn off your spending capability in your central bank dur digital currency digital wallet. But that doesn't mean that the U.S. U.S. fiat dollar is the solution to the problem. People have forgotten that right. fiat money, government controlled money is the problem that we're facing. And fiat paper money, the U.S. dollar uh, is really just the, the parent of the CBDC. So even if you want to use cash, the U.S. dollar instead of a gold back like you're doing at the kickboxing boxing gym, which is awesome. You're actually still uh, you're still supporting the eventual onslaught of a CBDC until people start using other forms of money or actual money instead of the fiat version. So are you saying that what I'm doing is actually a step that would be a difference maker as opposed to something that's like Pyrrhic and, and like people saying, I'm just going to spend my Federal Reserve note dollars. That'll save me. And I, my argument is that they destroy the value Who's going to accept those even when they say you could still use them, but who would accept them? Let's say uh, you went to a department. This is an off the top of my head analogy. You went to a department store and they treated you like absolute garbage. Would you think that the solution to that would just be to go to another branch of that same store? Because that doesn't change how it's actually being done. The only way you can change the way that you're being treated is by not participating in the thing that they're using as a tool to control you. And even though they can't completely control you with the paper fiat dollar of today, they certainly have a lot of ways of doing that by being able to lock you out of the banking system. The Patriot Act gave us things like uh, AML and KYC. So basically requiring banks to be part of the surveillance state, uh, checking on who's doing what if they're doing suspicious transactions they have things that are called SARS or suspicious activity recording uh and so that's uh oh bring down my audio you're always yeah. telling me to put it up well am yeah, i hot time, i'm hot today bring it down you are hot today and if super don corrects it in the restream it, it causes you to click out so you got to do it locally there i'm doing it locally how are we doing all right, Super Don, give us some insight and input so we got the balance it's, right. It's fine. You're good. You're good okay, now. great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but so back to the point really is mm -hmm. if you continue using the government-controlled money, the thing right. that they use to devalue your purchasing mm -hmm. power, to pay for all the warfare and the welfare state, foreign mm -hmm. and abroad, all this stuff, the largest government in the history of the world, tens of trillions in debt, 
that keeps growing and growing and growing, you're still fueling that same system. So it right. is essential. It's very difficult mm -hmm. because it's convenient to use what they have available for us. They've built the infrastructure. Right. But we have to start taking some small steps at least. And it is, so a, it, it is a part of making a difference. And this is not, seriously, this is not a, a gotcha. Oh, Michael Bolden, you're not really doing what you're saying you're doing. This is not about that. But it's a sincere question in terms of where you're living as opposed to other areas. We have some uh, awareness growing where I am of the, the criticality of it. And people are starting to actually put into practice what you're describing to stop using or, or reduce the re use of those things. Yeah, of course. And, 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 you know, create a new path is like, you know, keep saying, start growing food well before you're hungry or it's too late. And uh, if you start saying, oh, I'll spend that when we have to, right? I'm going to hold on to it. Then we have no ability to change the habits, break the habits of people that have not heard about this at all. But by doing that, I think we're doing a great service, even if it's awkward and can, you know, cause encounters to be a little uncomfortable in the interim. I think it's worth doing a little bit of the things that make us uncomfortable, getting out of our comfort zone to, to make it a lot better than a lot less comfortable when a collapse occurs of the currency, for instance. Yeah, some people want to just kind of hunker down, you know, and get all their storable foods, which is, you know, this it's important to be prepared. But if you're only preparing for the collapse, when the collapse hits, I think you're going to be pretty screwed. You have to actually start building a system uh, where you can have a strong community in advance. The great Chalmers Johnson, who is one of the people that Ron Paul looked at uh, as far as his uh, uh, foreign policy expertise. He's a former, well, he's passed away now, but he wrote a series of books called The Blowback Trilogy, talking about how foreign policy, aggressive foreign policy leads to terrorism at home. Surprise, mm -hmm. surprise. Uh, but Chalmers Johnson, I saw him give a speech a number of years ago, and he was talking about how much in order to prop up the, the American empire, how much uh, the U.S. government had to borrow from the Chinese. And he said, you know, things that can't go on forever don't. This is not going to continue forever. And when it comes down now, we're not going to have some amazing revolution like the American Revolution, because that's a kind of a once in a kind of history type of it. Maybe it can happen again. But that only happens if the vast majority of the people are on board with liberty. John mm -hmm. Adams described it as like this kind of rarity, this 13 clocks striking as one. It is something that had never happened in history. If we're just waiting for something that's only happened once to happen a second time generally what happens during a collapse is you get a rise of someone like a Mao, for example mm, so it's far right. worse so we have to do so much today to educate people and get people uh on a path towards well self-reliance and freedom yes jackie rn says how do i reach my normie husband he thinks banks and credit unions are safe i'm thinking medicinal mushrooms I mean, alter reality at that point. I mean, it's uh, it's getting late to not to not see this. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a it's a tough one. I mean, the only thing we can do, I think, is lead by example. Uh, mm -hmm. The only way that people actually become convinced that I mean, we can show people as many podcasts and videos and uh, blog posts and articles and books as we want. But people learn from experience. Uh, I mean, uh, if we think about my own work that I've done talking about states and nullification of federal acts, 
Years ago, I used to use, and I still do, I use uh, a state legalization of cannabis for various purposes, whether recreational or medicinal or in CBD form, in hemp and, and things like that, uh, because it's the same plant. But I would talk about this way back in the day, and almost any time I talk to a group of red state people, Republicans, people on the right, conservatives, it was on the cusp of them wanting to boo me out of the room until I made the point, like, whether you like this or not, you have to learn about it. And I think over the years, we've seen people on the right learn about how, well, cannabis can be good for some people. It can be a very profit-heavy uh, business. And we've seen over the years since that time, some of the reddest of the red states vote to pass it as well. Uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, and elsewhere have taken these types of steps. And I think it's because they've watched what happened and the world didn't come to an end just because some of the left-leaning states decided to legalize a plant that the federal government says you couldn't legalize so i think the same thing can happen on other issues but it does take time as samuel adams told us it takes fortitude and perseverance you have to really stick it out and you have to have a real long vision Otherwise, if you want a quick uh, silver bullet, it's not going to turn around. So the short version of how do I reach my normie husband is, I think, just lead by example. Maybe just start mm. doing it and using it. And then you can't prove to him that the banks aren't sound until the banks prove to him that the banks aren't sound. And that's right. not going to be a pretty picture. But if you take some steps with gold and silver, real money, gold backs, for example, and then you're a little bit prepared for that when that time comes, if it comes in our lifetime. Mm. And that's, I think, the best example. All right, Michael, is, is mom distracting you? She sent a message to you. Hello, oh. gorgeous Michael. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I got to get rid of you guys now because it looks like I got a convo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that it's fun. I always, she's like, oh, Michael's on today. Oh, uh, I really watch today. Awesome. Yeah. Mom loves you. My so, heart beats. Yeah. So does is there a a, a segue into what Super Don wanted you to come on uh, uh, talk oh, about? Oh, you made a new segue into this conversation. Well, that's true too. But Alexander <laughs> Hamilton's craziest plan that really intrigued Super Don today, and and I know Alexander Hamilton among money the controversies. One of the things was the banking. Uh, uh, proposal that he had, and I don't know if that's the angle that you were taking in that. But I was not. I was okay. not. I just heard CBDC, and I know a lot of people who are friendly to the work that I do and the work that you do. I just hear over and over and over, they are not getting from my cold dead hands, my U.S. dollar, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that U.S. fiat funny money, that garbage has been yeah. a been a tool of complete oppression. They would not be able to fund their foreign policy, their their mm -hmm. unconstitutional welfare programs, the Department of Education, which is destroying education. They would not be able to fund the ATF uh, for gun control. They would not be able to fund the NSA. They'd have to actually be far yes. more limited as the Constitution requires because they'd be required to actually pay for it. Yeah, the Federal Reserve System set set in motion all of that. Uh, I came right from Hamilton. No, uh, no. Well, let's go back to 1791 because that's the first national bank was in 1791. This was Hamilton. If we're talking about his craziest plan, his proposal at the Philadelphia Convention was basically, and he threw it out there in his this day long speech on June 18th, 1787. He's like, you know, I don't want to shock the public, and he said, shock the public. But we should get rid of the states completely. This would be far better 
if we just had a national government and if we had states or districts, they should be appointed by the national government so they don't do anything that the national government doesn't want us to do. And then the national government should have a total veto authority over anything that localities do. And they should have the power to legislate in all cases whatsoever. And that phrase was a big deal to the founders and the old revolutionaries because it, it's, it mirrors almost exactly, well, it is exactly, it, it mirrors what was known as the Declaratory Act of 1766. This is where the British repealed the Stamp Act because the people were resisting it. But the very same day, or maybe it was 24 hours later, they passed the Declaratory Act claiming power over the colonies in all cases whatsoever. So when you listen to what John, James Madison had to say, he said this was the cause of the controversy between the colonies and Great Britain. John Hancock said the same thing. Hey, of course, that we know we're opposed to this taxation without representation, but this is just an example of them claiming power over us in all cases whatsoever. Thomas Paine in that uh, great uh, paper, These Are the Times That Try Men's Souls, it started with that. In that same first paragraph, he said, hey, basically, and this is me paraphrasing, he said, look, even if you think you can make a deal with these people, don't, because they claim power over us in all cases whatsoever, and such unlimited power can only belong to God, is how Paine put it. So you have to take a stand. So Hamilton, who was a child of the revolution and actually wrote a paper when he was a teenager against that power, then wanted the new U.S. general or central government to have the same power that they fought a long, bloody war to get away from. And I think one of the ways even though he didn't get that on paper, one of the ways that he actually still tried to accomplish this after ratification was pushing for the National Bank. It is, even though it didn't last forever, it created the foundation for the Federal Reserve Act. They used the same constitutional arguments to back it up that Hamilton gave in 1791. And Jefferson told us, arguing against it, even if you think this is a small deal, it's only going to be around for 20 years. It's a temporary thing, like an emergency measure that we have today. Same type of garbage we deal with today. Wow. Even if you think it's okay for a short amount of time, giving them a single step beyond the limits of the Constitution is to give them a boundless field of power. So in essence, unlimited power. This was what the whole American Revolution was about, was taking a stand against unlimited power. And in essence, if we're not there today, we're so, so close. So I want to go back a couple of weeks ago when, I don't know, is it two or four weeks ago now, you couldn't be here, one of the ones, where you were getting to hang out with Sarah Beth for like an anniversary special of some kind. And yeah, it's pretty I want to know what you, can you share what you guys did for fun? I mean, you got, I love that you go out for walks. We just spent, and, we just yeah. spent time together, which is very rare. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we, we live together, we work together, but sometimes we don't see each other all day. Mm -hmm. So she actually had a day off and I took much of my time mm -hmm. off and we just, went to parks we went to the ocean a bunch we ate a bunch of food and we hung out it was really just really great oh well i'm glad you had a wonderful wonderful day even though we missed you it was like uh, an excused absence we couldn't say no to that we were on that particular day that friday we were at a place called top of the world mm -hmm. in laguna beach california so it's a it's a kind of a short hill hike up and you have this 360 view and if it was a clear day you could see all over the place but it was just amazing so we picnicked walked around looked at views walked around nice just just spent time in love yay i, I like the walking part we learned in, in today's moment of duh that uh sitting uh 
and heart not good walking, it's okay. It's better. It's good for you. And I don't know who paid for it. I'm hoping it wasn't U.S. taxpayer dollars, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, when we learn of these most obvious things that should be obvious to everyone. Uh, so anyway, all right, Super Don. Man, I, I used to sit 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You did. That's right. So bad. Yeah, you have your standing I desk. I was always sitting. I hurt my back. Now I have a standing desk. My back is doing better. I'm walking 10 to 12,000 steps a day. So four to six miles per day. Wow. That's my average over the last six months. So I want to up it from there, but it's just so much time. I got to walk faster. Nice. Nice. And, you know, the, the back pain you have was not from removing your uterus. Not this. No, time. we had that question come up. That there. was the previous. That was the previous. Previous. One. Oh my God! I'm a trans, trans, trans. <laughs> the transformation it's is a on. Double tra- <laughs> I can't even begin. Now we've been migrating apparently our website away from GoDaddy to a, a more friendly hosting site. Yeah, what's cooking with that? I've been getting 503 errors, but I just keep reloading. And eventually, comes through. Yeah, so what's and, the and so we've been assured that maybe by today it's complete. I I've been able to load it today. I've been happy about that. But we might even have okay. what's known as an SSL happen because that was the initial thing. Uh, our, our our buddy uh, Jeffrey Smith, his his webmaster, reached out and said, "Hey, you guys need help." I'm like, "Yeah, we need help." And uh, so he's been working. Unfortunately, it wasn't automated. Awesome. So it took a lot longer as usual, uh, as much as you'd like it to say, hey, I can automatically do it. Didn't happen. So it's been lingering for some weeks, but it should help us with our outreach because I realize that if you don't have that on the website now, you learn that people can't open it or won't open it and any number of things. They can or won't and the search engines penalize you. Oh, yeah. More than you're already getting penalized. I mean... Can we talk about uh, fact-checking, since that's on Super Don's list? Absolutely, yeah. The, this article here from the Defender, uh, it's a Mercola article, the NewsGuard racket fact-checking brought to you by Big Pharma. NewsGuard, a for-profit fact-checking organization backed by Big Pharma, Big Tech, and the Teachers Union and the U.S. government has set itself up as the self-appointed global arbiter of what information is trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm really glad that this one was made the list today because even though I got a side story Mm -hmm. on Monday morning, I think it was this week, I had a big notice across my YouTube studio homepage about a, uh, a YouTube community violation by the 10th Amendment Center channel. And of course, what was it? Uh, It had to be what? Gosh, health related. A health-related topic. That's typically where they're. Targeting. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, contradicting the WHO, a ten-year-old speech by Robert Scott Bell got me dinged. <sighs> Dude, I... They hate you so much. Oh my gosh! Did I? Actually... That they? I mean, there's an appeal process. I didn't get a copyright, or a, I didn't get a, a community strike. This is a first time. Right. A warning. Yeah. But they pulled the content, and I have no access to the content. Uh, I mean, I could go through an appeal process, but I don't want to make it worse. I mean, they're so after the type of message that you share that they even go after other channels wow. <laughs> who have recorded you saying stuff. <sighs> I can only imagine if that happened to me, mm-hmm. I can only imagine where else that happened. Yeah, I to. always warn people that interview me. If you have a YouTube channel, you might want to think twice about putting it up there and, you know, you know, hit one of the other ones like Rumble that allows us to you know continue to do this. We haven't been dinged on Rumble, at least. Uh, that's something. And it's still astonishing to me that some of the other social media networks are kind of, I don't know if they're looking the other way, but 
Um, we haven't had a lot of dings, but I'm still getting messages from YouTube, which pulled our channel at least two, three years ago now. Oh, we right. found another one of your videos. I'm like, dude, if you found them, they still exist. Can we please have them? Just give them to us and we'll take them elsewhere. You'll never hear from me again. We found your video, but there's no channel there. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, that's an interesting it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. wild that that happens because if you think about it, and I mean, even through uh, all the COVID insanity, how many times did the WHO change their view? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just, tr I'm just trying to think which nullify now event speech this was where they, it went back. I'm sure it's an automated system, but then someone manually has to go in and review it before they're pulling it down. Mm -hmm. I would think, um, and which one 10 years ago and how many times did the WHO change their view on that particular topic over the last decade? Well, I mean, it, and did they have, a quote unquote printed opinion at that point about the things I was talking about. I mean, who I mean, I'm not even going there I'm, yet. I'm just saying like, just on the, on the face of it, how crazy mm -hmm. it is. Not that I would want to have one kind of quasi governmental organization determining what I could run on my platform, but. You know, well, I think, they like I think it. about your, willingness to invite me to speak on that nullify now tour at a number of the events because what i brought was controversial even for the you know libertarian minded at the time because there was a lot oh, of yeah. uh misplaced trust and faith in government medicine even though they didn't trust the government it's like we, we got a blind on that well we're going to give them a pass and so i remember having you know some pushback on that issue that now many of those people are going oh man did I miss the mark on that or what? Uh, so the fact that they went back that long to to, to erase from history lectures yeah. like that. Wow. Isn't that wild? I thought I was going to like message you, but I'm like, no, I'm going to hold this one for the show. Dude, that is wild. <laughs> that is wild. So, yeah, if you if you have a YouTube channel, if you are still there and you haven't got dinged and if I'm on it, you might want to pull that one down preemptively and put it elsewhere. Just saying. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, yeah, the on the one hand, I feel this kind of skin crawl, like, ah, I got to pull this down to stupid YouTube. I mean, they're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I think of all these platforms as merely a free tool to try to reach other people. And if I can keep that channel alive there, but then maybe share the same content elsewhere, like you're saying, I should probably look through some of the older content and see what I can pull over to rumble or odyssey.com. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good idea. Now, are you, are you having some growth in terms of whatever membership program you have for people to become members of the 10th amendment center or support it like a Patreon like thing? This was not on the super Don list of notes, but 10th amendment center.com slash members. If you don't mind, me Look, mentioning I'm a card carrying it. member. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so. we always grow. It's very slow. We don't take the kind of the popular uh, positions on all the top current events of the day. We don't really cover that. We cover more uh, broad based strategic viewpoints and history and things like that. So it may not be the most popular kind of stuff for people, uh, I mean, of course we could tell you, oh, Joe Biden, bad, dumb, evil, mm. but that we're not spending our time doing that. And that seems to be the most popular stuff online, but we do consistently grow. It's just a very slow growth. And that still makes me happy because we're still pushing forward. Well, you know, the, the most confusing thing now is, uh, is, uh, you know, all the, the Middle East stuff that's manifested, not that it's new really, but I mean, the, 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 the blow up that has been is, is recent that, you know, it, it's just like, we, we used to say, 
Republicans were the neocons that wanted war all the time. And then, of course, the Dems took power and then they were. And we were the only anti-war, semi-anti-war messages were coming from Republicans. And now it's a bit confusing because it's like I, people don't know what way to stand. And then you get the, the Republican uh, debate. If it was a debate, I don't think it was. Uh, I missed it. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> uh, very few voices or any that are speaking out and going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, uh, do we need to be supporting war anywhere, much less, you know, initiating more hatred for us. I mean, we've got enough people that hate us already. Many of them are apparently coming in through the southern border because uh, they forgot that under the law of nations, you're supposed to have a border and you're allowed to defend it. Uh, It's just really strange. Yeah, I think if we start looking at what politicians and political pundits have to say about foreign policy, if we first think, well, how are they using this as electioneering? How are they using this as a partisan talking point first? And if we can't find any, then maybe they're telling us the truth. Otherwise, in almost every situation, if you think about, and I started my political activism as an anti-war protester against uh, the Iraq war, whatever, second round in 2003. And of course, all the commies and lefties and the answer coalition that I was out there with tens of thousands of people protesting, protesting against this. I started seeing a shift over a couple of years that they weren't really against war. They were just saying, let's not spend money on the war. Let's spend it here on social programs at home. And in some degree, okay, I don't want them. If they're going to go around killing millions of people over decades, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trust those people with health care and education. I mean, that's dumb to me. But soon as Obama came in office, of course, there's no more war protests and they continue bombing people and killing people and all kinds of stuff. Why did that go away? Because they were just really using it as electioneering to get uh, the Republicans out of office. And I think many of the Republicans who did that uh, while Obama was around uh, really were the same type of a thing. And I don't see Trump as anti-war at all because they say, oh, he didn't start any new wars, but he had nine of them. And none of them ended. And in fact, some of them, like in in Ethiopia, uh, Somalia, Mm. for example, they ramped them up. So none of these people have have been good in my life. No, I think you have to, you know, lower the bar and go. uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the worst is we're we're in a state where we're so desperate for someone to be good Mm. that merely saying, well, I continued eight or nine wars, but I didn't start any new ones is a win. Yeah. I mean, at some point it's going to be wars against 170 countries and it's like, okay, well, at least it's not 171. Yeah. That's a very, very low standard. It is. Now I brought up uh, on yesterday's show, I was kind of getting a little annoyed because even having an intellectual, yes, me, even me, uh, even having an intellectual discussion, which is not allowed a debate over these issues, you know, of war and other things, it, it draws people into the, the various, you know, Uh, it's okay to kill these people, but not these people on and on. And I said, where was the outrage? Because I believe it's mostly selective, as you point out. Uh, Where was the outrage as I was pointing out? Not only me, many others in in what we call the the holistic health sector, pointing out our own government and its FDA has been basically warring on the people of America with the drugs that are approved. And statistically showing that in bare minimum 106,000 a year die, but arguably three quarters of a million or more, and certainly under COVID much more killed directly by things government sanctioned and almost mandated. And the outrage is, you know, oh, those lives are okay. Right. And I've talked about also the hypocrisy of those who are against abortion yet 
we can bomb the hell out of, you know, foreign countries and kill the baby. Glass there. parking yeah. lot, yeah. glass parking lot. So, no problem. Just they're, they're over there. They don't count. So, yeah. I, so I'm trying to call out hypocrisy at every level and I might find there's places that I'm still hypocritical. I don't Are know. Are you but, ever able to take a break from that? Because it's constant. Yeah. There is almost no one who's consistent on this. Right. A I, vast I, majority yeah. of the people are inconsistent and it changes based on who's doing the bombing. Right. It's terrible. But you make a really important point about the FDA and government. How did you say it? They're waging a war on us. Yes. yes. Well, you're you're just like Benjamin Franklin, because that's how he put it. Uh, June-ish, 1787, middle of the Constitutional. Today. Yeah, middle of the Constitutional Convention. He tells us that all history informs us, all history. Of course, this is a pretty smart guy. He said there has been in every state and every kingdom ever a constant kind of warfare between the governing and the governed. So if Benjamin Franklin could recognize this in 1787, we live in an age of accessible information. This should be obvious to all of us today. But instead of seeing the government as waging a war on us, so many people are fighting over who's going to control that government to wage that war against their political enemies. And that's why it keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. Well. There's a sage wisdom of uh, what we now call the ancients, our founding fathers. But as you point out, the access to the information that they had to dig deep, find books that were, you know, written by hand or in libraries. I don't know the Alexandria yeah. one that was burned down. Maybe it was gone. But uh, the point is, we have this at our fingertips right now, despite a lot of censorship. As we talk about the the gatekeepers for information, we still can access this. And yet we're still vulnerable and subject to this manipulation, propaganda, uh, fear-mongering, hate-mongering, all of that, to then go, uh, yeah, I don't like it, but, you know, I would rather have this guy in charge of that, and then we'll target different people. Uh, it's disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, I think at best what we hear from from most of candidates, politicians, and the like are, I'm going to get the right people. I'm in a clean house and this department is going to be cleaned up. We're going to get all the bad guys out of the SEC, for example, or the FDA. And we're going to get the good people in there doing the things that it's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, look, decade in and decade out, they keep screwing us all over. And then they keep asking for more money and they keep devaluing our purchasing power. And then of course that inflation tax, because the only way that they can pay for the stuff is by printing more mm -hmm. money. I mean, yeah. maybe it's not a physical printing, Right is by printing more money and that impacts the poorest of the poor the most the rich people can deal with it i mean i hate to turn it into a class warfare thing but if you got 50 million bucks whether you're paying ten dollars or three dollars for a gallon of milk isn't going to change your life but someone who is really struggling to get by those are the people that are really really getting hurt by these types of policies mm -hmm. yes so uh yeah. my mom asked so well, you know what's the answer who do you trust right um, you know, it's an age no old one. question, isn't it? I got it. A great answer. No. Old Abraham White at the Massachusetts ratifying convention was talking about, uh, you know, the system. And he said, I wouldn't trust a flock of Moseses. This is one of my favorite lines ever from the, the founding debates. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important point because what he was telling us was it doesn't matter who it is when people have power. It's a human beings are flawed creatures. Power always expands, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely, we know this, but power always grows. Abigail Adams told us that power, whether vested in many or a few, is ever grasping from the grave. It continues to cry, give, give. So power will always grow. It doesn't matter how good of someone someone may be. John Adams 
Her husband was one of the best of the best in the lead up to the uh, war for independence. He was called the Atlas of Independence. But years later, he signed the Alien and Sedition Acts, one of the worst law series of laws in history, criminalizing free speech just soon as, you know, like a number of years after ratification. And this just shows that you don't trust anyone with power, including the people who tell you don't trust anyone with right. power. I'm seeing some comments from Steve about uh, Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, talking about some of these things directly. Uh, let's see if, if if I don't know who we didn't watch the debate here. I saw some clips from him. He's definitely the most entertaining and animated since Trump left the stage. Just Tom Woods just had him on. Uh, oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. I was texting with him I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. He's like, actually, this is the third time he's been on. Right. So he's talking about uh, using our military to protect our own borders instead of someone else's. I mean, um, you know, look. I, who do you trust? As you said, historically speaking, anybody put into government is subject to being corrupted by a power, a lust for power, even if they didn't have it. Or as we've also talked about the ability to compromise people by buying them off first and foremost, if that yep. doesn't work, compromising them and then threatening to reveal what they've been compromised at, or in the very rare instance of a Ron Paul, or I believe uh, Jonathan E. Mord, I don't believe, you know, that that could happen, but these are few and far between. They're the exception. I don't know. George Washington signed the first bank bill into mm -hmm. law. I mean, this is George Washington himself. This is the guy that Jefferson helped convince to stay after one term. And he signed the whiskey tax, which really created a problem. He signed uh, the, the bank bill, mm -hmm. which was a real problem. So, I mean, it does. And then Jefferson himself, when he got in office, he had this disastrous embargo in his second term. Uh, he took the position that he couldn't do. I disagree with some of his constitutional views, but he took the position that he wasn't authorized to do the Louisiana purchase without a constitutional amendment. And then he did it anyway, and he wrote about it. He's like, well, hopefully they'll look at me and say, well, you just did it for the good of the country. But just years earlier against Hamilton's bank, he said, it doesn't matter if you think it's a good idea, because as soon as you allow government to go beyond the limits set around it, you've given them unlimited power. You've created a precedent for them to do more and more and more, and other people in the future will do the same. So even the best of the best from the founding generation went beyond the limits, and I think knowingly went beyond their limits. And we shouldn't be surprised when all the bad guys of today go way beyond the limits at every turn possible. Yeah. So how do you bind them down with the change of the Constitution when hardly anybody agrees on what the Constitution is and what it does, you know, or what it's intended to do? It's not a pretty place we're in. No. All right. Super Don, join us in conversation, my friend. You so look forward to uh, uh, you guys were on a roll. You know, when you guys are going, I don't I'm not going to get in the way and bring in fart jokes. And, and you know, we need some of those. What's your you favorite do? color and pull my we finger? Need, you know, I mean, it's like it's serious stuff. I here. mean, there's there's a place for that when it's necessary. But you guys were you guys were, were rolling. Um, you know, the thing is, my audio still. Clean? Audio yeah, good. you're. Yeah, it's perfect today. Okay, yeah, great, great. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things I did have on the list was the, the debate. Now, I don't know. Did, did Robert, you didn't watch any of it. Did you happen to catch any of it, Michael? None of it. Mm -mm. I try. I can comment on all this stuff. I got some, thoughts. I tried to watch it, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it, it's, I'm very disappointed because at least I, my memory when I growing up and watching the debates, when they had the debates, it was like there was some structure to it and it was like somebody would talk and then somebody would, would, would retort 
or, you know, they come back with a good one liner or something like that or whatever, something like that. And they're not like that anymore. They're, they're all yelling over the top of each other and, 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 you know, and acting like they're like teenagers and, 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 and it's like, it's hard to listen to wrestling. It's cells. stupid. I mean, it's just, and, and it's, you know, the one thing that seems to be missing in politics, everybody seems to, let me, let me finish one thought here, uh, 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 is authenticity. There's no authenticity with any of these guys. The only person that seems to come maybe a little bit close uh, is is DeSantis when he talks. I mean, he's very kind of just straightforward. But, you know, a lot of people are gravitating towards uh, Vivek. Uh, I, call, I call him Rama Smarmy <laughs> because the, it, it, he's so ingratiating and just like, uh, it, it's just... It, yeah. Okay. He's great at, at, at uh, the 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 insults and the one liners and stuff like that. But that doesn't make a good president. You know, everything I see in these debates is more about trying to win the debate. Yep. But honestly, is there anybody on that stage when you look at him, you go, "Oh, that that person's going to turn it around, boy. That boy, that person, I can just tell he's going to solve the problems." You know, maybe Chris Christie. Actually, Chris Christie. I really like him a lot. I think. I think he is the answer to all of our problems. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I've been thinking for my whole life. I can't wait. Why is that guy on this stage? I don't oh, know. Because he's a monster. Um, doesn't it make you think of idiocracy, though? Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to throw something at me when I tell you this, but I still have not seen that movie. What? Oh, I saw yeah. it when it first oh came God. out. in the theater. Everybody talks it about it. I have not sat down and watched it. Wow. It's... Just the title in and of I know, itself. I, I know the all I, we need I've to know. Seen the storyline and the premise and everything, so I understand what it's about. And if you but. think of if you think of Joe Biden's recent speech on foreign policy, where he's trying to basically turn uh, defending Middle Eastern wars for Middle Eastern interests into defending American national security, he's basically giving a sixth grade level speech. I mean, if you read the speeches of of uh, George Washington from seven. 1793, Thomas Jefferson's first inaugural, which really laid out the American foreign policy of uh, peace, commerce, and honest friendship, no entangling alliances. This is really, really, really deep stuff. And now they talk to us like they're children, uh, like we're all children. Uh, it's the mentality, unfortunately, I think that says more about the people at large who are into it uh than about the politicians who are seizing on that op opportunity they are they really just dumb it down they're just creating hype and the the re pro wrestling mentality of fighting and name it's stupid is... yeah it's stupid you learn nothing really from from these debates anymore it's just who got the best one-liner and who uh hmm. who who you know spoke louder than than somebody else so i'm i'm disappointed I, again i have no plan on voting i don't because i just don't see the point you know, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils, no matter what. And I've got, I've yep. gotten to the age. I just don't give a flip about most stuff anyway. So it's like, nice. whatever. You're only a few years older than I me, got, so I can't, I'm, I'm close to I've that. I've got then. bigger things to worry about. Like the George my, Carlin school of politics. Pretty much. I love it. Pretty much. I love it. I'm, I'm with you on that completely. I mean, like I like paying attention because I know I want to know what they're doing to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To to Stay us. informed, but don't, don't become so invested in it that you think it matters because <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not giving any of these people $2,000 yeah. or whatever the matter. Yeah. There's no exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. No so way. listen, before we run out of time here, mm -hmm. um, you, 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 uh, you were talking about how you were the anti-war 
activist before. And as I look off to my right here, I'm watching the pro-Palestinian demonstration that's going on in New York City right now. Um, Is it big? It's huge. And they are. They're all huge now. It seems like everywhere around the world and stuff like that. And we have not talked about this. We have not had a chance to talk about this. So I'm just curious in five minutes, uh, what's your take on what's going on in Israel? What happened? Where it's at now? And what do you think about these protests that are going on that, you know, the news is calling them anti-Semitic protests. I'm thinking that. Well, everyone in the Middle East are Semitic people. So, I mean. You go, yeah, that as a point. There you go. Uh, that's uh, a good, that's a good non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, that's the actual That answer. was very political. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> They're all Semitic yes. people. So okay. Man, I anti-Jew. think it is, it is an It's ap- anti-Jewish. It's, well, why don't they just say that? Okay. Because if that's what they mean, they should say okay. it. Um, I think the, the whole thing is a absolutely horrific. I started my early days of political activism, doing some foreign policy uh, work regarding Middle East conflict, 2003 to five, right at the beginning of the Iraq war time. And even at that time, it had already been going on for so long that there really is no one, I think, in America that is, I'm not arrogant enough to tell anyone what the solution to this age-old problem is. But what I do know is that, man, the murder is absolutely insane on all sides. The settlements are bad on one side. The terrorist attacks on the other side are just terrible. There is just such a disrespect for human life that is happening all around. And... Man, it's so hard for me because it's so tragic. And I think much of it is caused by U.S. imperial foreign policy that is always worked to keep sides fighting against each other. If you think even just about the Iran-Iraq war, the whole setup of all these countries in the Middle East, if you think about how it was created, I mean, it was really about dividing up the Ottoman Empire. The notion was we don't want one kind of super state that can oppose European or Western interests. Instead, we want to have these artificially created boundaries, Iraq, Iran, uh, etc., so they can have different power sources fighting amongst each other. And we've seen a lot of fighting amongst Keep each them other busy for a long so that time. They, yeah. Oh, yeah, they've been busy. And then you see things like, well, the U.S. government funding both sides. They are funding Hamas. They are funding Israel. They are funding Iran. They fund Iraq. It has been happening for a long time. And then we're surprised, like, oh, wow, uh, one group of people is attacking another and another one is saying it's self-defense. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. So it's hard for us to really grasp how deep some of this can go. I can see how people in Gaza are desperate. I don't know who to blame. And I think everybody wants to blame one side or another, and I don't think it is that clear. Yeah, to your your point, Michael, even those— that quote unquote run the so-called government or whatever you call it within the Gaza Strip also feed that hatred and fear and rage so that they can be manipulating those forces as well. Uh, So the no clean hand scenario doesn't mean you hate one more than the other. It's more or less, you know, an objective. Let's step back in a mess, a cluster, you know what? And, you know, go ahead. 
American foreign policy as defined by George Washington and Thomas Jefferson is do not have permanent attachments. This is how Washington put it in his farewell address. Do not have permanent attachments or antipathies towards any nation, because as soon as you do, you are in some way a slave to their interests. And that is very, very important way we can be the land of the free again is by leading by example. Mm. Of course, we want I think it is natural to try to help the oppressed. But I think in a mess like that, and even as someone who has looked at this issue for a long, long time, I've read so many books and listened to so many interviews about this for years. I cannot wrap my head around who is at fault? Yeah, and unfortunately, there are those that are just coming up, and it's like the opportunistic uh, protest of the day. As I said, the hypocrisy o- along the way or the willingness to look the other way in certain ways because certain people are dying, yes. and that's okay. And now suddenly they're in- invested in this. I'm like, what? what is this? And Super Don has said, oh, is this the new protest culture of the young people in college like it's been? This you know- is this is my theory, and, and because I look at a lot of these protests, and they've done interviews with these these people that are protesting. And most of the time, at least the ones that they show on TV, these people that are out there oh, to the, from the river to the sea, they have no idea what they're talking about. They, they nope. don't, they they flat out refuse to acknowledge anything that has been done by the Palestinian side that is reprehensible. Mm-hmm. Um, but they literally, the, you see all these college kids and they're just like, Oh, we're protesting loud noises. You know, uh, and I think that, you know, there's always been this subculture that especially the college age kids, especially in, in our generation and, and, and the current generation that they, ha- they, they want to protest something. They want to be angry. They want to, you know, to yeah. stand for something and do something, you know, gay rights. That's old and busted. Nobody cares about that anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, the t- tra- trans thing that was hot there for a while, but nah, nah, nobody really cares about that now. So like that. So now, oh, hey, you know, we got something we can protest about. And for some reason, they've all glommed on to the pro-Palestinian side of things. So they can march and fight and be angry and wave flags and burn stuff and and like that. So I think that person, I think a certain part of that anyway, significant part of that is that they they need something. They need something to protest about. And so they're marching around and and protesting when in reality, they don't know what they're talking about. Is that similar to what I was kind of talking about before when we were talking about a potential anti-war candidate? We're so desperate for something that we can latch on to that even the smallest thing, and maybe they're doing, I think a lot of times the people who are protesting, I wonder because where did that come from? And who's organizing this? Someone's got to be throwing some loot at Of course, yeah. There's a follow the money thing. Here's mom who gets the final word here, Mickey. Uh, you're right on, Michael. Israelis lived in peace with the Arabs before politics took over and created the hatred of each other. Now, this is an mm. on-the-ground scenario. She's written a book, uh, you know, yes. A Life of Many Colors from Israel to America, Her Journey. And she would tell these stories to me, and it's written about when, uh, back when it was Palestine, technically. Pre-1948. Yeah, that, uh, you know, she grew up there, and people went to the, the shook, the market. They had coffee with one another. And, and I said, when you leave people alone, they find it's in their best interest, even if they disagree on things, to get along for the most part, to engage in commerce. Yeah. But when these third-party interveners, globalist all, and when you talk about American or U.S. foreign policy, I believe it's a captured foreign policy, too. It isn't even promoting U.S. interest anymore. It, no, it's, it's so not far beyond that, that yep. you, the, you know, the analogy of the red ants, the black ants in a jar hanging out, doing nothing, and you shake them up, and suddenly now it's war. Uh, that. 
that that's where we are in this regard. And, you know, mom has the wisdom of having been living in that scenario in those places before these yeah. people are now just protesting in hatred of Jews or hatred of this or that. It's like it's become a reality because many have been raised with that hatred to the point where they can't see yes. beyond it. And it makes it very difficult to find peace in those cases. And there are people that are living with the express purpose and mission is to kill the other guy. And it's hard. Yeah. And if you think about the people in Gaza, for example, are being raised at every moment. A lot of people are being raised to think, well, every Israeli, well, they all serve in the military. So they're all potentially your enemy. So they're all fair game. This is the bin Laden kind of mentality. And that's the same type of thing we hear from Tom Cotton. Everybody living in Gaza could be a, a terrorist. So they all deserve to die. Uh, man, it is Dude. just a horrible. Scenario. Hey, are, uh, do we have it's any so bonus bad. round time available? Yeah, we yeah. do. All right. Let's keep this going, y'all. Thank you for being here. Comment, question. Michael Bolden, 10th Amendment Center, joining us today. Uh, and Super Don joining us in here. And this was a great discussion. I hope I hope you're benefiting by it and from it. I am. And thank you, Michael, for being here. We'll carry on the other side. A little bit of the bonus round of Robert Scott Bell Show. Why? Michael, tell him. The power to heal is yours, baby. All right, I got a philosophical question to open up the bonus round to continue this discussion. I thought bonus round was about snacks. Is that then snacks? I'm, and fart I'm jokes. Fasting, and then Super Don can join in with that. I, I just want to, I'm loving the discussion here, and I love the, you know, those in the audience listening and commenting and, and such. And I don't sense seething hatred and rage in this group, this audience. Maybe I'm asking for two. I just, I, I'm, I'm a very appreciative of this. And, Bolden, you've talked about your transformation in, in your consciousness, if you will, being an anti-war, coming from the left perspective and all of that, mm -hmm. and now seeing through, I would say, both sides of the equation, the opportunism and the, the same sides of the, the, the coin or different sides of the coin, but they end up doing the same thing. And the question is, how did you achieve that transformation in your own view? Because now both sides kind of hate you. You know, in a sense, right? Not not us here. We love you. But the, the point is that you're willing and not it's not I don't know that it's your intent to tick it off. Maybe it is. But the philosophy to get beyond the Hegelian dialectic, I guess I can say that. How did you achieve it? Well, for me, really, it was those anti-war protests that I I mean, I helped organize some of them in, in Hollywood with uh, the uh, California Peace Action was one of the groups, the Answer Coalition, which is the big commie group. And I just, it was to me a very slow process, recognizing that they weren't really being honest about what they were for or against. It was really a tool to leverage more social spending, bigger government programs. And so that started to get me thinking about it, like, uh-oh, there's something weird here. And also, I'll tell you, this is always surprising. And I did an interview with the New American Magazine many years ago, and they were surprised. They're like, oh, who is somebody that influenced you, like, more recently? And... I said Michael Moore because Michael Moore has got almost nothing to do with my political viewpoints today. But I just remember this one book tour movie or documentary that he had in the late 90s that I saw some years later. And he was talking about what was that election with the was Dole versus Gore? Was that Bush Gore? No, it was one of these in the 90s, Bob Dole, 96. Yeah. Bob Dole against someone, yeah. Clinton maybe. And he's in Times Square and he's pointing up and he's like, look, look at these two guys. There's no difference between the two. And I, for some reason, that stuck to mm. me. That stuck with me, even though I wasn't grasping where he's going. He was saying neither of them were socialist enough. That was his perspective. Right. 
But for me, I started thinking about that. And then I just started noticing, and maybe it took me about 10 years or seven years or something to really, really start grasping what it is. And I think even today, as I look back, my organization, 10th Amendment Center, has been around since 2006 now. If I look back even on my views back in 2006, they were pretty amateur at the time. So I'm continually growing. I'm continually observing, and I'm continually learning. And I do so much reading from the founding generation that I see parallels of what is happening today over and over and over again. So that's why every time I'm on, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of this mm -hmm. quote. Like when you were talking about uh, how government is at war with the people through the FDA, but how Benjamin Franklin told us, this is how things have always been. And if we look at how things have always been, if you set up a system where things can happen one way, if you have the same system again, it will always happen that way again, if not worse. Mm -hmm. So is that... Maybe that's a non answer. Dude, no, that, that's good. Know. Now we can do snacks and fart jokes. That Thank you for that. Uh, I always like to bring the, the journey. To pull my finger. So, pull my finger. There it is. <laughs> Unless you all have something out there in the chat room. We see Leslie just joined us just in time for snacks and fart jokes. <laughs> we love you, Leslie. Thanks for being here. Um, I just am uh, thrilled every time you come on because this is the fun thing for me to be able to talk about the most difficult things in a way that perhaps gives people a view that they haven't considered, you know, looking at it. And I'm not saying I have all the answers any more than you are, but going back historically and bringing it out, not everybody does that kind of digging and research. And, and I do it in a lot yeah. of different areas and some research into the stuff, but I'm not spending all the time you are. And that's why I love when you bring that out. I'm like, dude, I didn't know that. I have that's a very amazing. unique niche that I learned. I have a very narrow, but it's a unique mm -hmm. niche. You know, I'm really actually interested in, in what, um, what Mickey had to say about Arabs and Jews living together in peace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've, I've done some reading on this, like pre-Balfour, pre-1948. And that's kind of, of course, I don't have anything to verify this based on other than the opinions of others. But to me, it makes sense because all around the world, you can find people living together in peace, doing business together, doing stuff. I mean, when you go to a store, are you asking someone what their religious background is first or what their nationality, their heritage? I think it really is people with power kind of manipulating the masses in one way or another mm -hmm. in order to gain something, control them, power, money, whatever yeah. it may be. I don't know. Yeah, is hatred of another and fear of another our natural state or is it something that... I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think it's manipulated no. into being because, yeah. again, I like my mom's example of living in this war-torn region for thousands of years. They say, oh, we'll never solve it. And I'm like... I don't know that it needed to be solved as much as you needed to let the people live mm. and figure it out. And in, and they had in many ways. And then the, the globalists come in, the third party interveners to try to foment the hatred and the anger and the war for profit or for, you know, ultimately a profit is not only in dollars and cents, so to speak. It is in terms of power, you know, and how you, oh, yeah. you play one against the other and then you gain more power like the bankers, all wars are bankers wars, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Jefferson told us that if uh, every generation paid its debt as it went, didn't keep a large national debt, his view was that would eliminate probably half the wars in all world history. Yeah, the need for more resources because you're in debt causes you to uh, have to go try and take them <laughs> from others in that regard. Or the Thomas Paine version was he looked at the history of the British and he said they didn't raise taxes to carry on the wars. If you're an honest student of history, you could see that they carried on the wars in order to keep the taxes. Mm -hmm. So they'd have an excuse to keep extracting wealth from people. Mm -hmm. 
All right, Super Don, talk okay, us down fart. from this highfalutin discussion here with fart philosophy. And I was history. I was actually looking up Bob Dole because I remember that was that was kind of towards the tail end of me being um, politically active because mm-hmm. okay. Perot had run in ninety two, and then he so is this 96? he ran again in ninety six, mm-hmm. um, and he got like eight percent or nine percent or something like that in in ninety six. But it was Dole and Kemp versus mm-hmm. an incumbent Clinton and Gore mm-hmm. uh, on that. That, on that uh, ticket that year. Ticket. Okay. Dole actually got the nomination. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that now. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about that. And it was. Yeah. Didn't yeah. make the highlight reel compared to some no. others. It's a, good, it's a good one to forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dole was a nice guy. And I kind of like, liked him. Um, but he just wasn't. He, there was no way he was going to beat Clinton. Clinton was too popular. Well, I think about what a lot of people are talking about. I don't know if you guys followed the election results in Virginia. They're flipping from Democrat to Republican well, just a, or a Republican to Democrat. Mm-hmm. But just a few years ago, it was the other way mm-hmm. around. I think what is it's just this endless cycle well, the, of the, people don't like what's happening. And so then they choose the other the party s- and then they suck. The too. speculation is that the, the re- Republicans ran on such a strict abortion policy that um, that that is what basically uh, lost it for them was that you now the um, the Northern Virginia Democrats it became their one note one vote kind of thing only on it, that and yeah, yeah but if the Republicans weren't so bad on civil asset forfeiture and the war on drugs over the last few years and on the surveillance state they're constantly doing these other things too maybe there would have been a few percentage points are like oh man. They ended all these police state programs while they had power to do so. Instead, they do nothing. They just make it more of the same. So there's no reason to support them. And it becomes a single issue uh, battle. And then it's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. More of the mm-hmm. same. That's my thought. So well, what, what do you think is going to happen here coming up here? I mean, we got, what, the election next year, right? Yeah, it's going to be very you got, interesting. You got Trump who may be running for president in prison. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, he could. I mean, you can win while in prison. And and it's like nobody's close to him at this point. Uh, but yeah, I think everybody is. Everybody else is running under the idea of, well, maybe he's out of there. I mean, you've got the the, the closest to him is like Nikki Haley, and she's at like oh, man. six. She is sixteen percent or something. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it's she, a ridiculous she is the load over. of the Republicans right now. She's carrying that that torch, so to speak. Yeah, uh, man, she's awful. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I think you know what would Trump be on the vengeance, you know, scorched earth tour based on what they did to him? You think he's not going to come back and 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 do it back? But uh, you know, does that ever end? Uh, man, under the John Adams administration, when he signed that Alien and Sedition Act into law, and people were going into jail for critic merely publishing a column that criticized the president, mm-hmm. a guy it was a representative in Connecticut, um, Matthew Lyon went to jail he won re-election to the house of representatives while in prison under the alien and sedition acts as well so it is there is precedent for that thing kind of thing happening i would think if if the unthinkable happened that trump was in jail by november 2024 he'd win in a landslide mm-hmm. i think it helps him yeah oh yeah it, it helps him so because it just validates everything that his supporters basically think, which is they're out to oh, get yeah. him. And, this and, is, and the thing is, yeah. is like if he if he doesn't win the election, that's going to be even worse. You think things are crazy now? Mm. 
uh, watch watch uh, in in next year if if Trump loses. Well, it, it I, I, the way I look at it, Robert, and it's funny because yeah. you know, we've been talking about you know the 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 pre, you know getting preparate you know prepping and and you know the satellite phones like that. The way mm. I look at it is I've got a year to get ready. <laughs> because <laughs> you know if the if the terrorism situation doesn't have which i think is a, is a genuine concern right now with what's going on in the middle east that yeah. and with tension so high and you look at the stuff that's going on in the streets right now and stuff like that something i i have a bad feeling something's going to happen um but you know if something doesn't happen between now and then i think all hell's going to break loose next year when the when the election comes around um I so yeah, I've got a little bit of time. I think everybody has a little bit of time. Start preparing now. <laughs> yeah, you, things are definitely bubbling over, and uh, the the empire keeps sticking their dirty little fingers into everything, making it worse. And Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan. I mean, if you think about the Archduke Ferdinand in the beginning of World War One, I, I mean, this is a local conflict that just. Well, and what about the push over. of now that now we've got a new axis of evil? Have you seen that? No, again, they did that in the Iraq it's, war. In Russia, Russia, it's China, just, and Iran. I think it is. Is that that's the new axis oh. of evil? Now they're pushing. They're bringing it back. Yeah, I think all these all these governments are terrible, including the largest one in the history of the planet in Washington D.C. But I don't have any issues with any uh, Persians or any Israelis or any Palestinians personally. I think, yeah. man, it is. Yeah, you superimpose again governments on on every individual I, I brought that up yeah i think yesterday it's like hey, can you hold every american you know as guilty of, of this was right? this is what bin laden he yeah. published his manifesto he basically said you live in a supposedly free country a democracy so these leaders who are uh you know basically destroying our holy sites well you're responsible every voter is responsible it's a collective punishment mentality of course it's absolutely evil uh, but yeah. I think it goes all in all directions. Everyone seems to treat the others like there's an interesting uh, uh, kind of an anthology show that was covering some of Philip K. Dick's novels. I think it was on Amazon a couple of years ago, uh, and it was basically titled The Others about how an entire society, you don't even know who the others are. And the establishment is going to say, well, now these people are the others and they don't count anymore. They don't have rights. They don't uh, deserve to live freely. And that's basically how everyone's treating everyone in modern times. Mm. Well, do, have you thought about uh, on the Democrat presidential side, how Biden as uh, not there as he is still running for reelection? I mean, some have argued it's the parachuting in by um, uh, Michelle Obama at the last minute. I mean, I don't know. She's coming around at some yeah, point. Yeah. What strategically? I mean, I don't know if it's now or in 2020. Well, and, and the other but. thing just have, I think it just happened today. Joe Manchin uh, has said that he's not running for reelection. And so there's speculation mm -hmm. that he may be uh, jumping in to run for president as well. On the Democrats. Yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah. Against, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. I it, it, If they don't have someone ready to go, whew, it's hard to say what's it's. The whole thing is pretty. Wild. How, how crazy is wins, it that they're 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 if, trying to still prop Biden up as if he's the guy? Oh yeah, but when you see like if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you go onto the Threads platform, have you guys ever used this? No, one? Not yeah, yet, I no. It's the it's the Instagram kind of a uh, Twitter. We have phone. an account, and I keep getting notifications. We've got all these followers, and I have no idea how. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll post over there for 10th Amendment Center a few times, maybe one or two times a day, share stuff that I've been sharing elsewhere. And so, of course, I see in a feed, but it is very much a it's almost like a Biden ha- campaign headquarters over there. People are like, oh, man, I am so inspired by his speech. Really? And I didn't think <laughs> I did not think that that was possible. What? Even if you even if you hate all the Republicans, mm-hmm. which I think is I mean, of their policies, that's pretty easy to do. How can you be inspired by anything that Joe Biden's saying? There's a there's <laughs> a significant as- number, more than half, I think it is, on a lot of the polling that's been done of Democrats that want somebody else to run. Yeah, they think he's too yeah. old, he's incompetent. And if you look at a lot of the protests, if we're talking about uh, the protests about uh, going on in the Middle East, this is a lot of what would be, I think, his core constituency. And he's losing them. They're, they're oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're 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 accusing him of supporting genocide, hmm. and they they won't vote for him. They're not going to vote for him at this point. So, I wish they would just accuse all these people of supporting genocide because that's what they do. Yeah. Michael, so is your back well enough to start traveling again and lecturing at events? I'm thinking about yeah? it. Okay, I'm thinking about it. All right. Uh, I actually, yeah, I just actually, I have so many kind of outstanding requests to start doing things like that. And I just got back to one person for something in March, and I said, well, maybe, maybe. Do they say where, what city that might be in? Is it nearby? What do you what define I nearby? don't know. Just throw it out there. I'll it's a, it's a, a small world after yes. all, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I've got some invitations for events in L.A., and I want to time it to where you'll be in town so we can hang out and go get something to eat. Oh, you know? I'm mostly going to be around. Okay. What are your events in LA? Well, I'm I'm working on it. I don't have the dates off, you know, in my head, but I know that they're in the first quarter, I think, of the new year. Okay. Uh, that there might be okay. a weekend where I'll head down there for an event and speak. But I, I've just got to confirm it, and I'll let you know. I'm speaking at some event here in Orange County. Oh, really? In December, I don't know the details. December second. Oh, cool. Um, All right. Oh, Leslie. Leslie says state- since your back is feeling better, look what she said. So you're coming to the Goody Farms Homestead in June for the RSB family reunion. I need some kind of pie commitment. Oh, you will get a pie commitment. Oh, I see. Bribery. I found that she... No, no. She backs up up that pie talk, man. It's for real. And oh my gosh, it is worth it. Yeah, but I need need a 50% deposit. Okay, so... uh, you heard it, Leslie. We've got a way to get Bolden. It's like how she got me there too, right? Pie. I know we're we're simple. What do they that. call that? Earnest, earnest, uh, earnest money, right? You know, like when you're investing in something, right? That's yeah. a deposit, right, on the yeah. on the outcome. But if we just put two pies together in a quiet room, will they make five others? Uh, <laughs> we will eat wow. five others if they're there. Uh, that's a line from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh Jimmy gosh. Stewart said, oh, here's one dollar and another dollar. Let's lock them up <laughs> and see if they can make a, a family or something like that. Oh, my gosh. She says, "I okay, here's the here's the response. I will commit all the pie to bribe you, Bolden. <laughs> all, one, all of the pies on earth. I will send you a pecan pie. Shoot me your address. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's make it, awesome. Make it, ship it when I'm going to be there, Leslie, so we can enjoy it together. That's my... <laughs> That's my ask. Uh, but there you go. Leslie is bringing it. She's like throwing down the That's pie gauntlet. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, we, that was again. slick. I, I got to hand it to you, Ben. Yeah. That was, that was slick. Good job. 
We're, we're he simple. wanted some pie and he figured, I mean, look, how to just, get it. We're, yeah, but here's the thing. It's not even that slick because I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm kind of lower on the evolutionary scale when it comes to pie. Uh, I am just always like, but, but pie, pie. Yeah. But, but pie, I, but want yes, pie, yes. but want pie now. <laughs> Steve says after the great reset, organic pie will be the new global currency. Oh, It'll certainly it already is. Currency. I know that <laughs> that works for me right now. Just saying. Yeah. 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 You want something done? Bring pie. It's done. Promise me pie. What's coming up next week? What's coming up on the show next week? Do we have week? anything? Are we is there a next week coming? Oh, I'm sure we've got something going on next we week. We have decided when the next AMA will be. It'll be for the first time. I don't think we've ever done it on Wednesday, but it's right. out. Is Marge 29th. still in the chat room? Marge, are you still there? Why? I want you I want to know if Marge is still in the chat. Say something, Marge, if you're there. Uh, was she on Rumble? On Rumble. But she usually goes to Kate Daly after. I know. I, I just, yeah. I want to see if she's around. Yeah. So, okay. So next week we've got Henry Ely. Oh man. Have you met Dr. Henry Ely, Michael? Dude. Mm -mm. No, <sighs> you, I don't even know the name. You would love this guy. He he's, is like, he's a lot of fun to listen to. Oh, he's so much fun. And uh, he's a guy when he's talking, I'm like, man, I don't need to say a thing. I'm like, he's all there. I'm like, ah, oh, that's. Nice. Just amazing. So a, a really. What's his, uh, what's his uh, expertise? He's, he's a naturopathic ND. Uh, he's, he's like a good oh, one. Really? Yeah. He's founded the Energetic Health Institute and dude brings it. He doesn't hold back. I mean, just engaging, entertaining, sincere, and uh, you know, it has integrity. I get to hang out with him a little bit now. It's like with artists, just these new people, I would call them on the scene, even though they've been at it for a long time, but I didn't know about them. And I'm so thrilled. I mean, they're new. new they're friends. new. If you didn't new know friends, new friends. And yeah, you'll like Ely. Uh, if you haven't, when you meet him, you'll see, you'll like, he's, he's definitely one of us. So this is out of left field and I know we're running long mm -hmm. here. What do you, what do you know about sound baths? I I think I mentioned even it was it in even today's opening or was it yesterday's? You were you were saying something I thought earlier today and yeah. I got it on my it, mind. You know, it, it was about the um uh, the aspect of healing that is like so futuristic. But I I would argue that in the uh, the misty past that is sort of lost to history that the ancients knew of sound and its and its ability to transform matter right material including uh the ability to move large objects that can't be moved that kind of thing but sound baths sound healing you know immersing yourself in 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 certain sounds or wavelengths of course it's a homeopathic principle too uh it it makes all the sense to me in the world how you can enter into that if they know how to utilize those sounds um i remember another michael terrell addressed that in terms of the sound or the frequency tuning the sound of music in a certain frequency that was different from what happened apparently when they changed the tuning uh, to a, something a little less harmonic into a discordance. So I don't know if this is an answer to your question because the technology might not be just one thing, but a sound bath, if you've ever experienced it, it can be immediately transformative, immediately. Yeah, Sarah Sarah loves them, and yeah. I told her I would go to one with her. So That would be cool. I'd do it with you guys. I guess... Yeah, November twenty seventh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to one. I think so. I'll, I'll definitely report back. On yeah, that and I and I've talked about this many times over the years. That you know the the sounds when we talk about spiritual or even somewhat religious things, but I like to think of it in spiritual terms. The chanting of words, the mantra, you know, the 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 repeating or reading from the Torah, those kind of things in a way that it's chanted. There's something about the sounds that are uh, generated that come through you 
that really alter your state of consciousness. I would think for the better. I mean, uh, this has been my experience in terms of things like that. I've talked about the hue being a sound people use in, in meditation, the ohm, and it, tr- it changes them or uh, drum mm. circles or the, the singing bowls. I mean, you're in that and you feel it. Yeah, the bowls is what we're going yeah. to. So, yeah, it's transformative. And I think you could throw a little intent there or you can just become passive and go, you know, I'm open to guidance here. But it seems to, again, ch- transform the way you vibrate energetically. And, and, you know, as long as there's not, I think, an evil ill intent, which some, some people probably could do that too, like anything. I mean, I'm kind of a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to see. We're going to see. It. That's all I can say. I'm going yeah. to. I'm doing it. I'm doing yeah. it. I'm definitely going to do it. And then follow up with some pie. Did you say you're a skeptic? He did say that. I, really? <laughs> I wouldn't. He's not. You're not, you're not a skeptic. He's not. A skeptic. Oh. It's skeptic fine. is okay. Yeah. I am too. I just didn't want to use that kind of language on the yes. show. Yeah. By the way, it's not spelled skep D I C K. It's skep. No, although that's appropriate for some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But all right. So anyway, listen, I, I think March took off, but you know, okay. she's been, been um, bugging us to get uh, Zen Honeycutt on the show, yeah. back on the show. And so she'll be on, on Monday. Oh, great. Okay. So that's cool. Then Mom's across America. She's terrific. Yeah. We have got Dr. Kim Thor on Wednesday. She's a, a dynamic DC, doctor of yep. chiropractic. She lets loose, man. You get out of the way. Yep. And she's on. So that'll be fun. We've got Diane Miller on Tuesday. Right. One of my favorites from the National yep. Health Freedom Coalition and Action Group. And she's talking about the regulation of homeopathy. And she's really good on that. And so we'll talk about homeopathy with her. And then we've got Kate Buckley, who will be on on Thursday mm-hmm. after It's E-Mart. like Women's Empowerment Week. I like it. Shit. That's she awesome. She has a podcast called The Kate Awakening. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's we what we got going on next week. Bolden's hairy chest next week. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know he has this a hairy, hairy chest? This hairy chest is, oh, he knows. <laughs> I've been there. Did you, uh, oh, wow. Did you guys I, remember the 5th of November when it came around? Catherine. What? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you miss it, Robert? Uh, Say that again. The fifth of November. Did you forget it this month, this year? We did. We did yeah. forget it. How did yeah. we by- bypass that? Oh my gosh! Did you? I did. I did not forget it. We published an article talking about how the American revolutionaries celebrated that day in 1765, wow. which was against the Stamp Act because uh, it was called Pope Night. So they had commemorated this uh, in New England for many years, but it turned into a protest against the British which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then my great friend and coworker, Mike Meharry, he was in Washington, D.C. visiting his daughter, and they went to go see V for Vendetta in the theater, which happened to be showing, so that was pretty cool. Good times. Good times. All right, well, that's all I got. Yeah, what's the date of the, the Patreon event, Patreon a, Zoom AMA? I think it's the 29th. The AMA is on the 29th, correct, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, I think it would be cool to get uh, get Bolden on, on one of those. What time? Four, You're always at a time I'm not around. Wednesday, the 29th at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Pacific. You usually go 4 to 6, your time. So if you have any window of availability to drop in, we love to have you. Of course, it's fun. The Zoom That's AMA. Generally, my worst time of day, mm-hmm. but I really want to. I've only been on one so I far. I know. 
And and you're eligible. You're like I know you're never around. Yeah, you're eligible to win prizes too, my friend. If you if you're joining in, you're eligible. So just saying. Will it be a strawberry rhubarb pie? Probably not. I don't think it'll be that. Although Leslie could say something about that. She's put it on the calendar. You guys said there. if I throw if I throw out there, then I'll look at maybe look at this it. guy. What 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 is? No, Sarah? I'm not saying you have to send me a pie, but you know. If I happen to walk into a room, yeah, and what, there's a what, pie sitting there, so what does Sarah? I would Beth be very grateful about your willingness to like. Has <laughs> there ever been a point where you're reluctant to do something, and then she goes, "Well, pie," and you're like, "I'm there, okay, well, all right, you want. all right." No, I'm never reluctant. Okay, never mind. You're you're above and beyond it all. <laughs> if I put my hand out. Although for, I think it was my And suddenly I found birthday, pie in my hand. <laughs> Sarah baked me for my 40th birthday a blueberry pie mm -hmm. with a lattice top, but the lattice mm -hmm. was bacon. Whoa. Are you kidding me? Wait that a minute. Real? Wait. Whoa, no. whoa, whoa, whoa. Bacon? Oh, that'll. What? Yeah, that keeps the show Bacon going. on blueberry pie? Is it a candied bacon? No, the bacon was part of the blueberry pie. No, it was a well, salty know, but it's with kind of thing. Blueberries and bacon? Oh yeah, can doesn't bacon make everything better? <laughs> I never thought of that combo. I'm just saying, I it I didn't okay. either, but it was really creative. She came um, up with that. I don't think. I think wow. so because I had never heard of such. Never a thing. heard of it even. We went. Today. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she breaks out this pie. That's tough, restaurant man. With a group of friends. That is a that's a tough one because I love bacon. Mm -hmm. So it's, but I don't know, man. That's like it really turned out more like a cobbler because it was kind of messy. Mm -hmm. But then you bacon add, oh, and every, blueberry you cobbler. But is that, that still like, just doesn't sound right. Is that know. like pineapple it's, on pizza for you, Super D? It's yeah, because I like pineapple, mm -hmm. but not. But you don't like it on pizza. It's like uh, it's like you know, back in the day they used to put like vegetables in Jello. You know, it's like I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with vegetables per se. But what about yeah. what about a slice of pineapple? Mm -hmm wrapped with bacon and then thrown on a grill mm. could you handle that i don't know it's a tough I, one he's I, not I, sure I, I, I don't know okay i like grilled veggies and i like bacon yeah. mm -hmm. i like grilled fruit too. do you, do you have a grill where you are now do you have a grill on the back porch uh we've got like community oh, grills. Okay. so we got a bunch of them gotcha yeah <clears throat> We've only used it once because I'm very incompetent when it comes to grilling, but I got to up my gun, my game for sure. Hmm. Well, that's another thing Leslie says, because her husband James has done that before, apparently. So with the bacon, yeah, it was apparently awesome. Yeah. So there's more goodness when you come to the RSB family reunion. <laughs> I wonder how that would do in a smoker instead of a, a grill. Oh, the yeah. pineapple? I'm sure it would be. I, I, I have yet to eat anything that's been in a smoker that I didn't like. That is not yeah, good. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Might have to get me one of those. Wood? You mean like old school wood chip smoker, one of the kind of oval ones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, yeah, nice. yeah I mean, not necessarily. You know, it could be like a Traeger, you know, or a pit, a pit okay. boss or something, you know, but. That works yeah, too. That yeah. works. My daughter has one of those and it's like, you know, here, put this in the smoker. Are you over there all the time? Uh, I, I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be. Yeah. They, nice. they just bought a house. She's getting married on the 19th. Oh, and, oh, so the house congrats. where they're at, will they have a garden? Yeah, they've got raised beds in the back and stuff. Nice. And they, they actually grew a, a small one um, 
that they they were able to move from their their apartment or their condo or uh, townhouse over mm-hmm. to the new house. But that's that's what their plan is. Yeah, I just harvested so. some purple potatoes this morning. Uh, and you know, before the hard winter sets in, got some more stuff. So we got some, we put them in sawdust in the in the garage where it's cool now and it kind of does its thing. And then we, so uh, potatoes were pretty good this year. Wrap those in I'm bacon and start, grill them. I don't know. Well, I'm into all of that. And I'm going to start some slow cooking. It's that season I'm starting this weekend. Ooh, the crock pot. Oh yeah. I got a new one. Set it and forget it. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a 20-hour timer on it. I'm so nice. happy. Dude. Oop. Well, I look forward I gotta to gotta go rescue. I got to go rescue yeah. the wife I know and you the gotta grandkids. Run. Uh, Michael, thanks for hanging out. It's like an hour and a half. Love you guys. Dude. We did it. This was, was fun. A lot of this fun. This was really awesome. And I hope you all. We had to make up for lost I time. I hope you all support the 10th Amendment Center. If you're not already members, please, please sign up. And uh, we'll see Michael maybe. And when he can squeeze a little bit, if I offer him a slice of pie, he'll be there. And uh, the next Zoom AMA or a couple of weeks from now when we're on again doing this. So thanks, Super D. Another yes. great week of broadcasts. And uh, I'll annoy you because I'm likely the champion of the week again. Uh, three out of the last four weeks. It's, it's looking bad. It's looking good, I mean. <laughs> Yay. Keep being an overachiever in whatever you're doing. So. Thanks for being here. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll, uh, I don't know what we're doing for Sunday yet. Oh, good Lord. We got a Sunday. You were supposed to, you were supposed to reach out to your friend. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll see if I can do that. All right. Yeah. We'll have something new for you on Sunday. Back live on Monday. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks, Michael.